Folks, I'm Dan Mack. This is Chris Mack. And I'm Pete. And you're listening to episode... Whoa, this is episode 14. Where do we I, start I, that? I, I, <laughs> oh, I usually, I usually my, edit that. Because my template, that's why. Yeah, I, I usually I, edit that when I'm, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Derp. <laughs> Take two. Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack. This is Chris Mack. And I'm Pete. And you're listening to episode 23 of the Shred Shack Podcast, your weekly source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal. But first, let's talk some major news item of the week. Not old business just yet. (laughs) Well, this is the second week in a row we had to make an announcement like this. And um, although he's not metal, his uh, influence can be felt throughout the entire music industry. Um, not just metal, but everything. Um, David Bowie passed away at the age of 69 earlier this week. I think it was Monday. Um, the music icon died January 10th following an 18-month battle with cancer that had not been previously disclosed. So no one really knew it was happening. Mm-hmm. So this is a big surprise to everybody. Just two days before his death, on January 8th, David Bowie, which was actually David Bowie's 69th birthday, the musician released his latest studio album, Black Star. According to producer Tony Visconti, much of the album's lyrics foretold Bowie's eventual death, with Bowie planning for Black Star to be his parting gift for fans. Kind of sounds like um, Freddie Mercury. Innuendo. Innuendo. Yeah. So that was very unfortunate. Of course, the outpouring of, you know, remembrances and everything from the music community as a whole was was staggering. I, I think it's things like this where, like, Again, they said that the whole cancer thing was not disclosed. Nobody knew what was happening. We know that the man was older, and we also knew that he had a lot of drug problems earlier on, but there was nothing that yeah. could prepare you for that one. No, so. and that was, that was what really struck me as I'm sitting there. Uh, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, Monday, sitting eating my breakfast, getting ready to go to work, mm-hmm. and I'm just doing my normal quick scroll through Facebook in the morning, and then first thing I read is so one of my friends, Art, R.I.P. David Bowie. I'm like, what the fuck? Like that was not how I wanted to start my week at all. Yeah. <laughs> I just happened to be up like at two or three in the morning when it broke, and I was like, I thought it, like people were kind of trolling on the internet, but like turned out to be devastatingly real. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what people do at two or three in the morning. They pick a random celebrity and go, ah, that motherfucker died. Oh yeah, they do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was very, very disappointing. And again, this is the second week in a row we've had to do that because last or two weeks ago it was Lemmy, mm. and now it's David Bowie. Yeah, and then and then later in the week, Alan Rickman. Yeah, that yeah. was who I was really hoping that like with 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 his voice, I was like, please tell me he's done something like music before, but I couldn't find anything. All I found were bands named after uh, Hans Gruber's character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but. So that's a major news item for the week. We want to get that out of the way now and tell you all that that sucks, in case you didn't know. From yeah, so definitely not playing the Everything is Awesome clip yet again. Yeah, yeah. Damn you, cancer. I'm going to play that clip from South Park. <laughs> Where is that pussy cancer? <laughs> Run! Where is that pussy cancer anyway? Uh, so now let's go on to old business. Old business is old business, and new business is new business. All right, so last week, uh, while we were recording the podcast... Last Saturday, Lemmy was having a, or they were having a memorial service for Lemmy, uh, pretty much taking over the whole entire Sunset Strip and everything. Uh, but for those who were interested, the entire service held for Lemmy was posted online for anyone to watch from now until the end of time, 
guest speakers included uh, Mortarhead drummer Mickey D, Rob Halford, Lars Ulrich, Slash, Dave Grohl, Scott Ian, and a number of Lemmy's close professional and personal acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Um, I re- read later on in the week that both Fast Eddie and Phil Campbell couldn't make it to the funeral. I think it was I think I read one of those. Well, Phil Campbell was under doctor's orders to not travel. Yeah, that's that's the one I read then. Uh, Fast Eddie was having visa troubles. He couldn't get into the country. Mm. So they both had understandably legitimate reasons for not getting to the uh, to the event, which just it just sucks for them. Yeah. Um, in the lighter side of news, it's been announced that the Food and Beverage Magazine has officially changed the industry standard call-out drink of Jack Daniels and Coke, which is Lemmy's favorite drink, to the Lemmy. So when you go to a bar from now on, do not order a Jack and Coke. Ask for the Lemmy. I'm the Lemmy or a Lemmy? I, they call it the Lemmy. I think on the page where it has the, re- the recipe for it, it's called the Lemmy, but you probably just go out there and ask for a Lemmy. Yeah. We're still waiting for Coke and Crown Royal to be called Blacktooth. Right, dude. <laughs> Seriously, and then later on in the week, I didn't get a chance to put it in the script, but uh, Jack Daniels released a very limited edition uh, single barrel mm-hmm. malt um, Jack Daniels that was handpicked by Lemmy himself. Like this barrel is like, for Lemmy, and apparently it sold out, all gone. Oh, yeah, of course. So yeah. that's, not, that's not surprising yeah. at all. So that's a bit of Lemmy news, which we'll probably be hearing until couple months from now when people are still trying to get over this whole Lemmy is dead thing. Um, this last, this next bit I wrote, I actually just copied and pasted the statement from Chris Adler from Lamb and God. I'm not even going to, I read through it. I'm not going to read any of this because it's way too long. But it pretty much he gave, he gave a statement explaining why Lamb and God exited their European tour after the Paris attacks back in November. Um, pretty much they, they got down to they went to, they had the whole Paris show. Uh, they were in Germany, and like the next night, there was a, a attack like that was thwarted in a stadium in Germany, so they were scared about that. And then at a venue that they were supposed to play at, there was these two shady characters who were outside the venue for hours, taking pictures of where the band was loading in, where the buses were, the, the outside exits and everything. And when those two people were approached by security, they bolted mm-hmm. and ran to a car and just got off. So there was, there, there was no evidence that that was a specific security concern. Mm-hmm. So there weren't like any extra security added. So, but they felt that if they would be responsible if they did play a show and something did happen, mm-hmm. it'd be on their heads. And the thing is, they, that's just how they felt about everything going forward, and it would just be just counterproductive to live in that kind of fear for the entire show and risk the possibility of themselves, their fans and you know, the crew and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's why they did it. They, they had credible threats that they just couldn't live with. So, and that's what we had talked about too, that week that the attacks happened that, you know, ultimately it comes down to a judgment call on the band's part. You yeah. Know, and you can't really fault them for any of that. Yeah. And they even said, it's like, yeah, maybe we'll get out and we'll be fine. But what about the kids? What about the people in the crowd, the crew, everything else involved? So, you know, I think it was a responsible call on their part, considering some of the things that we've had in, happened in the past. Not just the terrorist attacks, but you know, we had that fire in Bulgaria, wherever it was, Romania, a couple months, Romania, 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 a couple months ago, and just responsibility of the the bands themselves, thinking of the fans and the safety of other people. Yeah. So I think they did a good thing. 
Um, especially because they are an American band, they would be more of a target. And their name is Lamb of God. If you just put it in that perspective of a, of a religious thing, you know, these are Islamic terrorists, apparently, or allegedly, and they just have that name attached to them. So it just feels like they're more of a target than anything else. So they're going to come back home to the States and be picketed by the Westboro Baptist Church. Well, <laughs> domestic they, terrorism is a different thing. I want to make a t-shirt that just says, Lamb of God can't catch a break. <laughs> they really can they really can't. All right. Um, here's one that's not really much of a surprise to anybody, but it is official that Black Sabbath and Bill Ward will not be making amends this, uh, despite this being the group's final tour. Um, Ozzy's drummer, to- uh, Tommy Kluftus, will be behind the kit for their final go-around, and they've been releasing some rehearsal footage on the internet of them practicing and he's behind the kit and he was behind the kit on their last tour. He's been playing with Ozzy for years. So this is, doesn't really come as much of a surprise to anybody. It's rehearsal footage of Ozzy going, scream louder. <laughs> Ozzy, it's empty. You asshole. <laughs> I have to practice. It has to be perfect. And then it's never perfect. Uh, we got some updates from the ghost inside the, um, horrific, horrific bush crash that happened in November. Uh, vocalist Jonathan Vigil broke both his legs and his neck in the crash, but turns out he was lucky. Uh, the drummer revealed he lost a leg in the accident, as well as suffering fractures in his ribs, spine, and hip, along with some ligament tears in his rotator cuff and uh, labrum. And despite all of this, though, he vows to drum again. So, I'm thinking Def Leppard, but with a f- missing foot. I mean... Uh, was especially with like the drum bass part, like you can rig up some figures on that. So. I'm, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Like I didn't see what 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 is exactly like what part of his leg is missing. Whether it's like the knee down it's, or exactly yeah. the whole I, thing. If I remember, right, it's the knee down. All right, right so they like, can probably just they can probably get a prosthetic there that can handle something like can, that. You can also go to. Uh... Go talk to Nick McBrain. Nick McBrain's double bass has all been one foot. Well, that's the, that's the thing, though, is that it's not just the double bass or anything like that. I mean, the hi-hat's still controlled by a foot, too. You can just change up a little yeah, bit there. So it's, I mean, I'm sure he's, it's going to be a lot easier than if he lost an arm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure. sure that was a lot more difficult for the guy from Def Leppard. Not to say that this is going to be hard, it's going to be easy, yeah. but I'm just, it's just good that he has the mindset that he's going to get yeah. back at it. Yeah. It's um, definitely possible. Yeah. Um, there is some good news, though. Guitarist uh, Zach Johnson has been discharged uh, yesterday, actually, uh, Saturday, and he arrived back home. Uh, earlier this week, he underwent his eighth surgery to treat the injuries he sustained in the crash. Jesus yeah, so, but he's finally home. I saw a picture. His dog's all happy, so it's all good. Booby doog. Right. Uh, last bit of old news here. We reported a couple weeks ago that Freddie Lim, frontman of the Taiwanese metal band Katonic, would be running for political office in his home country. Well, it turns out he was elected yesterday as a legislator in Taipei's 5th District. He defeated veteran legislator Lin Yu Fang um, of that his particular political party, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that, by more than 6,000 votes. What? Yeah, so yeah. pulling double duty now. Metal frontman and politician. Yeah. And that dude's like really intelligent too. Like, yeah, yeah. I actually I've, never I've listened seen... to any of their music. Is it any good? Uh, it's like I mean, I don't, know, I don't know how I would describe it. It's extreme metal for sure. I, immediately, I think of Behemoth. Really? Okay. Um, and like, yeah, but I've seen. I think I saw an interview with him on Vice before, and he the way he spoke about the genre, about like the politics of Taiwan. I mean, he really knew 
knew what's up. He's, yeah, his uh, political party apparently is very pro-democracy, and mm-hmm. that's not what Taiwan's all about. Right. I think that's part of what their music is about, too. Yeah, it's very, his, it's very yeah, political. The, yeah, his music's very political. I remember reading about that. Yeah. Well, that is, uh, that is old business. All right, so let's go on and talk about new business. And with new business, we always start off with album releases. Um, I think... Chris, you have up to four this time? I have three, and there was two that I wanted to listen to, but I didn't get a chance to fully and, um, you know, get into them. So. Okay, so I think you'll start off, then Pete, and then myself. Okay. Um, so the first one I got is Varg. Um, das and Aller Lugen. Wow, buddy. I, That's why I, you took German. I took German. That's right. Die Krups. Listen. Listen, if I could, if it were possible for me to obtain all the dicks, <laughs> I would be flinging them at you right now. And Big box of dicks. And unfortunately, it does not necessarily fully help my pronunciation of German words. <laughs> well, it's their fifth record. Uh, these guys are obviously uh, German melodic death slash black metal band. Um, Pete and I listened to this the other night while we were training, and at times it sounded very reminiscent reminiscent of In Flames. I was thinking around the Come Clarity era, yes, which is definitely not a bad thing. I that's what got me into In Flames in the first place was Come Clarity, mm-hmm. so I really liked it. Um, music is both crushing and melodic, while the vocals are gruff and a little bit in your face. And I really see why Pat decided to pick this one for his uh, an early call for his top three for the month. Because um, I think, wasn't Pat's first favorite band In Flames? Or one of his main, like one of his influential bands when he first got into metal? I think so. Yeah, so I can definitely see why he picked this one yeah. early on. Yeah, he's, he sent us a picture of him holding a gun to a rabbit's head. He said, if I don't get this one, the body dies. So, Whoa, dude. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, he, he, he was pretty intense about this. That escalated quickly. <laughs> no, he actually didn't do anything like that. I would have shot him myself. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that one. And again, good pick, Pat. Good pick. All right. Uh, so my first album uh, for this week is uh, by a band called Soul. called the storm bells chime and it's soul is a one-man uh doom death metal death metal act out of denmark um and this is their sixth full-length uh release um this is depressive doom metal with a few experimental elements to it um and there's basically like two types of tracks on this album like the first track consists of these echoey kind of brooding piano pieces with clean muted vocals over them um Sometimes the piano will range from like very like slow and melodic to very free-forming chaotic, and these are actually some of the more interesting parts of this album because the other type of track that's on here uh, features more heavily distorted guitars uh, that are teched out, you know, lots of effects going on, 
and the vocals are basically yelled. And I don't mean that like in a death metal kind of way. I mean that like this sounds like a really angry spoken word album. Huh. And it, it it's not good. Like it, it really? like that whole effect really takes away wow. it, it it grates against like the rest of the music on the album I oh. felt like. I felt like th- those tracks in particular were very repetitive and not in a good drony kind of way and just kind of drawn out and boring. I'd say that like the vocal content and the lyrical content are both the biggest weaknesses of this album. Bring it down overall. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed the piano pieces, but I can't recommend this album unless you are like a diehard doom metal fan, honestly. Wow. So we will not be, so no, don't, yeah, will no not tag. be tagging souls no tag. this week. We will not be saying this to Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> and cue the Monopoly clip. Don't be coming back now. My first one for the week is one that I've been waiting to talk about since last month, actually. Uh, Yidra, the Cult of Bathory EP. I don't know when this album actually came out. (laughs) We're doing it right now anyway. Well, we're going to do it right now because here's the problem. This album, this EP has been up on their Bandcamp page since middle of December. Um, I believe according to the Encyclopedia Metalum, the album came out la- uh, last month. According to the Bandcamp page, I guess physical copies didn't come out until this week. Okay. So I'm going I'm to talk about it this week. There you go. Um, this is Stoner Doom Metal. More so towards the Doom. Not as not as like you know fun as as stoner metal usually is. Um, the way I was describing it to you originally when I mentioned it way back when was if you took um, singer kind of has a Zach Wild old Zach Wild feel before he woke up one day and said I want to sound like Ozzy. Ah uh, uh, yes, yeah. I think I remember you telling me about so this. So this sounds like if you took like early Black Label their slower tracks and beefed it up a hell of a lot. Really? Yeah, it is. It is. Thick. And like they, they're just really good. Again, it's a, it's a it's a short thing. Um, I the tracks aren't all that short. It's four tracks, but they're all like five, six, up to eight minutes long. But thick riffs. The vocals are gruff as fuck. Um, and then you have um, sometimes they do these little breakdowns. Like in the middle of one of their tracks, Iron Mountain. There's just this whole really weird trippy breakdown. One of those times where you think like the song's over, and it's like, nope, we're back. Surprise. <laughs> we're back for the five minutes. We're back. But it's it's really good. Really good fist pumping stuff. Um, I just can't get over the gruff as fuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I would definitely recommend this for if you, again, if you liked early Black Label, or even if you're a fan of like like Stoner Doom Metal. It, it's not, nice. too, not too slow, not too fast. It's It's just good. Cool. Um, my next one is uh, from a band called Dissona. Uh, the band, the album name is called uh, Paleo Pneumatic. Paleo Pneumatic. Was formed in 2005, and this is their third full-length release. Um, they are a progressive band from uh, Chicago, so big surprise! I actually really like them. Mm. Um, 
this is not your typical sound for an American band. I'll tell you that. Uh, they sound very European. Uh, there's a lot of elements to this record. Uh, right off the bat, uh, the track, the album opener, Another Sky, gets into symphonic sounds. There's a little bit of electronic wizardry in there. The singer has a really good range between like a low grumble and growl, a very good mid-range croon, and then a powerful yell. It's not a yell like you're talking about, like a spoken word thing, but a yell like he's singing at you. Um, he sounded very much like the singer of Sabotage, Circle to Circle. Uh, Zachary Stevens. Yeah, Zachary Stevens. He that's reminded me a lot of of Zachary I, Stevens. I might have to go check this out. Yes, actually, when I when I first listened to it, you were the first person that came to mind. Um, there are some female backing vocals in the background, and then um, the musicianship in general, just like any prog band, is fantastic. Mm. We listened to some of this, I think, like two weeks ago, uh, in the gym, and I, it just really caught my ear, like right away. Especially, like I said, that opening track, "Another Sky," is a nine-minute epic track followed up by another eight-minute track, and then the rest of the album kind of um, shortens up the songs a little bit. Um, but listening to the opening track, you know what the rest of the album is going to sound like. It's going to sound epic, it's going to be big, and it's going to be fun, and it really, really was. I have a feeling that, as of right now, this one's rounding out my top three. For the wow, month. okay. Yeah, this one's really, really good. Okay. All right, I'm excited about this one. All right, so my... <laughs> <laughs> can't be that excited. It's not a bad um, <laughs> Not yet. No, not That's yet. next week. All right, so my second album is from a band called Caveman. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pronounce the name of the album as it's written. It's Hamburger. which is hamburger with a lot of fucking umlauts and whys thrown into it. <laughs> um, all right, so Caveman are a death metal duo out of Ohio, and this is their first full-length release, having released two demos back in 2000. So now, musically, these guys are delivering some classic American-style thrashy death metal in the vein of Entombed. But where these guys, <laughs> I think, really shine through is their vocals. And I'm really hoping you can play a clip of this because uh, it's it's really, really good. They, they basically sound like if you got Sloth from the Goonies and had him make a death metal album, that's Caveman. And, and Chris can attest to this because <laughs> he, he listened to it. He played me a clip it. earlier before and is like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because so, see, look. Cavemen are basically a piss take band that are literally role playing as Neanderthals who came out of the permafrost, walked into an Ohio recording studio, and laid down some serious death metal tracks about their ancient ancestors. And it fucking works. Like, <laughs> unbelievably it works. I mean, like, the, the lyrics are incomprehensible, but that, I think that's all part of, like, the satire of it, right? Cause it's just, they're making fun of death metal. You can't understand shit. So who cares? The fucking drums sound like someone is literally beating them to death with a club. I mean, it's, I don't know, altogether, it's Dragging just... Dragging it by its hair yeah. back in the cave. I mean, look, even the fucking, <laughs> even their fucking uh, song titles, like, they have Unstoppable Knuckle Dragging Rampage, Tusks from Doom, or Tusks of Doom, aka I Invented the Bone Flute, and, <clears throat> and Fireside Dining with Gentlemen of an Overly Pronounced Brow. So look, oh my god! Like, if you have no sense of humor about the genre, I mean, you gotta avoid the album because you're not gonna like it. But otherwise, it's definitely worth checking out. You can find their Bandcamp page at cavethrash. 
www.bandcamp.com. And from what I have been able to find out through Encyclopedia Metallum is that uh, the two uh, members of this band, Krug and Gulk, are actually uh, <laughs> are actually uh, Chris Dora and Wayne Richards from a death metal band out of Ohio called Solus. So they've been around for, I think, since like the late 90s. Wow. Gronk and Thag. Yeah. That sounds so incredible. Yeah, definitely got to check this out. It's... Depending on how the rest of this month goes, they may just very well end up. In oh my, my god! <laughs> I love it. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna try to calm down before I start talking about mine because it's not that funny. <laughs> damn, damn you, next band for not being funny. Um, my my next pick is um, El Caco. Called seven. That sounds that's, funny. That's pretty. L, 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 I'm, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but apparently it's the Spanish word for thief. Okay, so, so it's, it's not, not, it's, not uh, a, it's not cock, caco. Check that. <laughs> you, you're gonna look it I've, up. I've never heard anyone. I, I could be totally wrong because I'm not. I got like a C minus in Spanish, but <laughs> coming from Pedro, that's bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that makes me more Mexican. So, than so you. close I'm to the border saying. and everything. You know, you just you just failing hardcore. Right? Anyway, uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, oh, continue no, no, you, on. You were looking it up. Uh, no, well, it. on the Urban Dictionary, it says that Caco is the uh, like Puerto Rican uh, alternative of, uh, or uh, the Puerto Rican version of a, a chav in British slang. So I don't know. I don't know if that's. Are we just gonna find different words? I, I guess is, is, it's like an this, endless rabbit be hole. A more of, you know moment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. El Caco, seven. Um. Obviously, this is the seventh album uh, from a Norwegian stoner rock outfit. Um, if this is a Spanish word, I don't know why Norwegians are are using it. But then again, well, we were talking about that band that was doing like Celtic, uh, Celtic music from Argentina. Oh, yes, uh, what was it called? Skiltron. Yeah, yeah. That's I think, why. I think I remember that. That was definitely one that we did not tag in that post. <laughs> oh yeah, that yeah. Um, but this album um, is. Stoner rock slash metal. Uh, I have I have a lot of stoner stuff this week, actually. Yeah, it seems like you uh, really hit the bong yeah. pretty hard there, yeah, bud. Yeah, yeah. Bong ripper 420. <laughs> 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 no scope, so on and so forth. Um, despite the album being less than 30 minutes long for an eight, eight or nine track album, um, Seven's a really great album. Uh, some of the songs tread the line between rock and metal, with the fuzz, the guitars being a little bit more, um, for lack of a better term, fuzzy, than, <laughs> than your mainstream contemporaries like Queens of the Stone Age, but the overall package is still accessible enough for radio. Um, vocals are coarse, often anthemic. Uh, guitar, when not fuzzy as sin, is very melodic. They do have some leads here and there that sound really good, and they pierce very well. Um, bass. Very strong presence on this album, especially on the track Ambivalent, which is the first track I heard from them. Uh, it kind of actually drives the song. Um, and I can't really say too much special about the drums. It is just definitely a very strong backbone behind this thick-as-fuck bass. Um, album is just extremely good. Again, it, it's it's kind of uh, got a catchier 
I don't want to say poppier, but a catchier side of of this stoner metal genre. But they, I wouldn't necessarily call them metal. They're a little bit softer or a little bit, you know, more subdued than that. But definitely worth a check out. Um, I got to hear the album on YouTube. Um, and again, a great starter would be the song Ambivalent because it sounds like it would be their radio single if if they have one. Definitely check it out. Cool. Well, the last one I actually got a chance to listen to this week was uh, The Shrine, Rare Breed. <laughs> These guys are a retro Sabbath-influenced trio from California. So is this like doom metal? <laughs> no, it's rock? more like stoner rock, All actually. Right, yeah. Yes, yes. There's, right. there's a lot of fuzz in the guitars. There's a lot of fuzziness going on. Ermagerd <laughs> first! Yeah. Um, I, I, call, I call the vocals whiskey-soaked shouted. Because, um, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Uh, the bass is dirty as hell, and the drums are pounding. Um like I said, this is a retro rock band. These guys sound like they probably should have recorded this album back in 1977 on, in California. All right. Uh, they do a really good cover of Black Sabbath's Symptom of the Universe, which is not a surprise considering how much they just sound like Black Sabbath. Um, I thought this band would be for fans of uh, bands like The Sword, Wolf Mother, and Grand Magus if they were sped up a little bit. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely worth out, a listen yeah. to. Uh, they were on skateboard marketing this week, uh, so definitely download it, take a look, take a listen to it, and it's really fucking good. Oh, that's 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 for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's it. We have for the stuff that we actually listened to. We have a couple of stuff that's things that are on our radar that we did not get to um, check out or did not get to pick up for whatever reason. Um, and Chris, I'm going to let you start on that. Yeah, the ones on my radar, uh, the first one would be uh, Mandroid Echo Star, the cool name. Coral Throne. I mentioned these guys a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it specifically because the, the album releases were kind of slow that week, so I listened to a lot of upcoming tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one was um, a metal coheed in Cambria. Uh, they released, they apparently the album was streaming online, but when I actually clicked on the stream, there was only two songs that were streaming. And my God, if you like coheed in Cambria... You're gonna love this band because they sound the vocals sound like uh, uh, Claudio from Coheed, but the thing is, the music is so much heavier, mm. a little bit te- more technical, but all in all, uh, just really good vibe to that band. Like, I really want to listen to this record. Like, if I do get a chance to listen to it, this might take a number spot in the top three. Mm. I have a feeling it's just it really caught my attention that much. Um, the other one is Norhad, Voices from the Ocean. These guys were my social media highlight a few weeks ago, and their new album just came out. I really wanted to get a chance to listen to it. I, f- I found it on Bandcamp, or I thought I did, and then when I went back to listen to it later in the week, it was gone. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I remember really enjoying them when I listened to them on, for the social media highlight, so I'm going to be looking forward to trying to get that and listening to that one. So. All right, my on the radar for the week. Um, we had discussed this band a few months ago when we had gone to see um, 
There's Monkey Soup, Jessakill, and SA Territories open yep. up for Loudness. We never actually caught Loudness, but we were absolutely amazed by the band Jessakill. And they did not have anything as far as music goes to uh, to sell that night. Um, but they had been working on pre-orders for their uh, their EP Metal Nights, which came out yesterday. Um, we were recording this on Sunday, so it came out two days ago. Um, I wanted to go pick this album up. I, I kept meaning to pre-order it. I'm a very... I'm, I'm bad when it comes to these kind of things. I meant to pre-order it, um, but unfortunately other things got in the way. Went to go to the their record release show last night, uh, hoping to just kind of pick it up and have it be that. Um, but I did not stick around long enough because um, I was, you know, I'm old and I like to, I, I like to sleep. Yeah, he's old. I'm however, old. <laughs> however, I will, I will be picking it up before the end of the month because I have a feeling from the clips that I've heard on their YouTube channel, this one is probably going to appear in the top three because they, they rock. So, uh, anybody who, um, after watching our video about their show, went to go check them out, their new EP is officially out. You can buy it on their website, um, or you can check out their Facebook page. Unfortunately, I don't have the addresses on me, but look them up, Jessica. And with that, I think for new releases, we are done, but we can always talk about what we're listening to this week, aside from new releases. Right. Well, I went back and I listened to some Enslaved this week. Um, I really enjoy the last two records. Um, uh, Ritit, I think it's called. It's a bunch of eyes in there. And then In Ties, which was the last one, which was so good. And then, of course, listening to Aladdin Zane from David Bowie because of his passing. And we went and saw Tool and Primus this week, so I had to catch up on a little bit of uh, listening there. So I listened to Opiate, Undertow, and 10,000 Days by Tool. And then Primus, I went back and just reminded myself of why those that band is so fucking awesome. I listened to Sailing the Seas of Cheese, um, Pork Soda, Tales from the Punch Bowl, and Antipop. What? Damn. Yeah. I listened to so much Primus this week. And it, it really, like, after seeing them live, it's like, how could I how could I have forgotten how amazing these guys are? Like, fucking yeah. hell. We talked about the fact that Les Claypool... I mean, he reproduces that bass sound impeccably. I yeah, mean, it's just, let's just say unbelievable. It for later in the podcast, and then of course our video. Yeah. yeah, let's just. Yeah. But yeah, I just had to re- just re-listen to a lot of Primus this week, and I, it was well worth it. That's for sure. All right. Um. So I don't know if y'all know this or not, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. Throbbing cock. <laughs> <laughs> on Monday, uh, seasons of mist. Um put out Abbott's new record on stream and I fucking spent pretty much all week listening to that. I was really tempted to uh, do that as a new release for this week, but since it technically doesn't come out until the 22nd, thought I'd okay, save, it. save it. That's I'd why save I didn't it. listen to it yet. Um, but, I mean, that, that's fine by me because I'll just be given more time to really, yeah, you gotta, you gotta really enjoy it, it and really let it go. <laughs> then. Uh, other than that, like Chris talked about, uh, because of the Tool concert, I've been listening to 10,000 Days and Lateralis. I don't know what I've been listening to this week. <laughs> Honestly. Um, so, that's it for... <laughs> I honestly don't remember, because, again, it's one of those things where I just kind of tend to go to a lot of old favorites, or things that, like, I'm you know, driving home from work and I'm tired, and I'm like, I want something that's going to make me happy. I need something silly. 
So I put on some silly stuff like Brettle Floss or Star Bomb. <laughs> or, Ninja Sex or Party. Ninja Sex Party, which I did listen to. I'm sure you did. Yes. So um, I'm sure there was something else. Oh, no. Wait. Hold on. Oh, fuck. I listened to Eternal Idol a bunch of times by Black Sabbath. Tony Martin. <laughs> We're not going to cue that clip. I was going to say, we gotta, you can't go a podcast without you mentioning We're that. We're not going to cue that clip because I don't have a piece of paper ready to write down the time of this this clip right here. So that's pretty much it for our uh, new business as far as albums go. Let's talk about general news. All right. Starting right off the bat here, the Twisted Sister movie. We are Twisted Fucking Sister. A three hundred, a one hundred and thirty, yeah, a one hundred and thirty-four minute documentary film by Andrew Horn will be presented in theaters via Music Box, Music Box Films in February. The first ever documentary of the band that defined an early MTV, an early MTV with their No Holds Bar music videos opens in New York and Los Angeles on February nineteenth with a one night only event at Chicago's Music Box Theater on February twenty second. Okay. That seems that seems very redundant. Anyway, on February twenty third, the film will be released on DVD, Blu-ray, VOD, and digital formats with an included two hours of bonus material and director commentary. So, if you're into Twisted Sister, apparently they are very important. <laughs> uh, oh, they. I have nothing to say. Yeah. yeah. I, I like Twisted Sister, so yeah, I, I, I would definitely check this out when I get a chance. Kind of unexpected, but yeah, I think it's worth checking out. I just, I just find it funny that this is the first ever documentary on them. I mean, they've been around for so long. Sure. I know they were part of, um, I think there was like a DVD that came out when they got together after 9-11, mm-hmm. and that was like its own thing, because it was the concert and then like you the documentary not, about getting them all back together. You mean so. not the Christmas album? No, not the Christmas album. <laughs> All right, continuing on. Bruce Dickinson, our man from Iron Maiden, has announced that he'll be teaming up with Robinson's uh, Brewery, yeah, Robinson's Brewery, to release a beer that will be somewhere between a stout and a porter. The as yet unnamed brew will drop sometime later this year. I'm just imagining him breaking into the brewery and taking the Trooper beer because it's made by the same guys and just putting a new label on it. <laughs> well, no, because the Trooper beer was more of a Pilsner yeah. and an ale. Then this one's going to be a stout and a porter, which were my two favorite beers when I was a drinker. These are the darker beers. These are, we're thinking more along yeah. the lines of Guinness and stuff like that. Like Arrogant Bastard from, uh, uh, oh my God. Stone Brewery, stuff like that. And so. I really enjoyed the Trooper, too. Like, it's, like it's a I good, did not. Really? I did not. I thought it was a pretty okay, strong bitter. Yeah. If you want to know how I feel about it, you can go watch the video where Pat and I tasted it. <laughs> oh, that New Year's video. Yeah. That's right. That was a long-ass time ago. It I've was. been doing this a while. <laughs> All right. All right. Moving on. Former Slayer drummer Dave Lombardo has left film, the Los Angeles-based ex- experimental post-hardcore act he launched several years ago with guitarist, vocalist Jerry Nessler, who was in Civil Defiance, and bassist Pancho Tomaselli, who was in War. Um, I actually read later on in the week that he disbanded the film. Film is no more, apparently. Uh, but continuing on with what this says is um, during an interview on Let There Be Talk podcast with comedian Dean Del Rey, Lombardo declined to reveal the reasons for his exit from film, saying, I'm not going to talk about it. They didn't want me to promote the band while I was with them, and I'm certainly not going to do it with when I'm without them. According to Lombardo, he was also told that he had to change his playing style to accommodate film. They said, don't play hard. We want you to play a little softer. And he said, no. I thought it was 
isn't it Dave Lombardo's band? I think so. Yeah, that's why I think he's. I think it was later revealed in the week that he dismembered or dis dismantled film. Like film is no more. My band is no more. So that's weird. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Okay. Last April, a van carrying members of bands Wormreich and uh, Chaotica. Chaotica. Thank you. Uh, veered off the highway uh, on a drive between. Um, uh, Spartansburg, South Carolina, and Atlanta, and crashed, killing two members of the band. Oh, two members of Wormreich and one member of Chaotica, and injuring multiple other band members. Um, this past Wednesday, online Athens reported that the van's driver, Sergio Jose Caseta, has been charged with DUI, failure to maintain a lane, and three counts of first degree homicide by vehicle. He was booked into Jackson County Detention Center on Monday with a $17,000 bond. Now this was also a while before we started doing this podcast. Yes, we couldn't include it in our our ranks of bus accidents because they seem to be a fairly common occurrence lately. It seems to be, yeah. But this one was actually had seems to had have had a cause. I mean, guy, the yeah, guy was drunk. Yeah, the driver was being a douche. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, amazingly enough, it took this long to figure that out because I think when I read the article that initially they all. It was reported that he fell asleep behind the wheel. That there was nothing, there was no alcohol, or drugs involved, or whatever. But now it seems that that is not the case. Mm-hmm. That there most certainly were alcohol and drugs involved, and it, it was totally his fault. So he deserves to feel the wrath. All right, moving on. This was a little bit of fun that we all had at Metallica's expense here. Um, it was reported that Metallica had sent Sandman a Canadian Metallica tribute band, a lengthy cease and disorder pertaining to the latter band's use of a very St. Anger-esque uh, logo. Metallica's fans understandably flew into a rage, citing this as yet another example of Metallica being totally out of touch. The band has issued a statement, and quote, We hear that a Canadian Metallica tribute band is a little upset with us, and with a little digging we figured out why. It turns out that a certain letter was delivered to the band Sandman that neither we nor our management were aware of until it surfaced online. Lucky for us, the band was kind enough to post it for us to see, and it turns out that we have a very overzealous attorney who sent this letter without our knowledge. We have a long history of not only enjoying tribute bands, but we started as one. Hell, we even recorded a two-disc album of covers. Self-promotion, Garage Inc. Anyway... We will always remember those days and continue to enjoy tribute bands, even invite them to support us on various tours over the years. Sandman should file the letter in the trash. Keep doing what you're doing. We totally support you. And in the meantime, our attorney can be found at San Francisco Airport catching a flight to go permanently ice fishing in Alaska. That probably does happen in Metallica's camp. Probably. Yeah, I guess they've got a long way from a Greyhound bus back home. Yeah, yeah. At least you put them on a plane. Um <laughs> Later on, Sandman guitarist uh, Joe Di Taranto, Di Taranto, yeah, says he even got a call from Lars Ulrich himself. He gave me and the band his full blessing. Continue as we were. They want us to continue playing, paying tribute to Metallica with their full blessing and approval. We will continue to fly the Metallica flag loud and proud. So I think that's the only way that this story could have ended. Yeah, there's no other way. Yeah. Uh, also, I think I don't know if it was a joke or not, but I, I read later on in the week. I think it was yesterday that uh, I think Metallica sold. Um, Sandman the license to use their, their logo for like a buck yeah so that's true 
Whatever. Yeah, it's probably it's probably you know brings back memories it, it, of bad times. It's yeah. probably more formality than anything else because I think one of the guys who commented on the Shred Shack page, I think he's right that if you don't fight for your copyrighted material, you lose it. Mm. So if, if they had to, they probably had to go through the whole formality of charging these people like a dollar to license the use of their image, really. Mm. So whatever. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that like there's a thousand different Metago tribute bands out there like do you think they're going to send out one of these things to every single one of them I mean it makes absolutely no fucking sense yeah. I mean it's just a weird situation like if it's true like and it was just some overzealous lawyer like what the hell was he thinking right you know what I mean like, like why not like hey guys yeah <laughs> yeah so whatever it actually reminded me of that episode of uh, Metalocalypse where they lifted <laughs> the worldwide ban on um, on metal, uh, Death Clock cover bands and Toki Wartooth is in Thunder Horse. <laughs> as Squizgar Squiggle. <laughs> I love that episode. Alright. Continuing on. Guitarist Marco Biazzi has decided to leave Italian uh, heavy rockers Lacuna Coil. It seems from statements on both sides that the split was very amicable. He was open, right? Yeah. So later, a whole lot of throwing things. Yeah, throwing marinara at each other. <laughs> wow. wow, that was an Italian joke. <laughs> wow, highbrow comedy on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right because we're not playing cards against humanity, so there's not that many dick jokes. Well, there's only a few. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't sit there and say that the whole argument amounted to pizza bust. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, here's one that that was uh, later in the week. Uh, Tara Ray, yeah, Ray Static, the widow of Wayne Static, was found dead late Wednesday night of an apparent suicide. Uh, this was confirmed to Blabbermouth by uh, someone who was a close friend of Wayne. Has there been follow-up to that? Um, not really. When I, when I see something that says apparent suicide, I think, like, it looks like suicide, but we're waiting to figure it out. Well, when I see when I read something about a parent suicide, the, the first thing that I ever think is is overdose. I mean, mm. they probably have to do an autopsy, figure out whether it was an overdose or not, or you know whatever. Yeah. But I didn't read the whole thing about it. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. Um, continuing on, uh, Dunsmuir, I think I'm pronouncing that right, is uh, the name of a new supergroup featuring members of Clutch, Fu Manchu, and more. There's no music yet, but the band have launched a Facebook page and an official website. The lineup is Neil Fallon on vocals from Clutch, Dave Bone on guitars, he's from the company band, uh, Brad Davis on bass from Fu Manchu, and Vinny Apice on drums from Black Sabbath and Dio, Heaven and Hell, and just all-around rock and roll legend. I guess Vinny Apice is just not content with Kill Devil Hill right now and decides or, to go form another Or group. any other band that he's in. Yeah, He's in like 30 He's like he's like the Phil Anselmo of drummers, and not quite Mike Portnoy. <laughs> <laughs> so we need a drummer, but not a progressive drummer. Let's get Vinny Apice. <laughs> we need just a, a basic hard rock drummer that's really really good. So Vinny, <laughs> well, what's your brother doing? <laughs> well, 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 if the singer of Clutch ever decides to leave that band, they can get Jeff Scott Soto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or Ripper. He might not be doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Considering that, if if you do recall, we we announced on Christmas Day that he was fired from every band. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animal! <laughs> uh, I would like to again to, um, give a disclaimer: we do love Ripper. We love the Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> He's just another one of those guys who does not get a break. Nope. Um, 
Here's here's an interesting bit. Spine Farm kind of went on a signing spree. They announced the additions of Royal Thunder, the Browning, and Hell Horse this past week. Wow. Yeah, so Royal mm. Thunder was on Relapse. Relapse, yep. So the next record is going to be on Spine Farm. So looks like they're doing well for themselves. Mm-hmm. Spine Farm and Royal Thunder. So that's it for general news. Let's uh, go on to recording news. And this first bit of news I'm excited for. Well, Rob Zombie's new album, long title again. Uh, let's, let's listen to this one. It's The Electric Warlock Acid Witch Satanic Orgy Celebration Dispenser. Let me that, say that again. That let wins me, the entire year. Let me say that again. The Electric Warlock Acid Witch Satanic Orgy Celebration Dispenser. <sighs> Don't whatever. <laughs> His last one had a long title too, didn't it? Uh, the venomous rat regeneration vendor. Not nearly as long, but still, he seems to be going for like you know vending machines. Yes. Mm-hmm. And dispensers. Dispensers. Uh, well, that album with the long title will be released on April 29th uh, via You Me T Boy Records. I've never even heard of them. Is that is that his? Um, I don't know. I feel like I've heard T Boy recently. Huh. But. I'm excited for this one because I did listen to Venomous Rat Regeneration Bender recently, and that was a great fucking album. Yeah, I, I liked his last one. I actually liked some of his later stuff. Like, I didn't like Hellbilly Deluxe too. I thought that was kind of a lazy album. I don't think he even liked it. Yeah, I think that was very lazy, and yeah. it was very following the trend of like releasing a sequel to like your first classic album. But I liked um, um, uh, Educated Horses when that came out. I liked this last one. I just like him with John Five playing guitar for him. I think um, with when I read about the album, he was saying that he was you know tired of being in the studio, and I think that Hellbilly Deluxe Two was like a reflection of that. Whereas the last album kind of got him back into the vibe of things because it sounded fucking good. The yeah. last album was fucking good. So I'm I'm excited for this new one. Well, here's one that everyone's excited for. Steel Panther, everyone's favorite hair metal band, or the only hair metal band that matters lately, will be releasing its brand new live CD slash DVD titled Live from Lexi's Mom's Garage on February 26th. Um, The album is 13 tracks of acoustic goodness, consisting of an introduction, 10 tracks you um, you all have come to know and love, a new song called... That's when you came in, and what I'm pretty sure is a cover of Lustra's Scotty Doesn't Know. <laughs> that was rewritten to be about the band's own Michael Starr. The only way that this would be would interest me, like I would go out and pick it up day one, is if they did a parody of the drum coaster thing from Motley Crue. Oh my god. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like they're yeah. Like, like they're pushing like a a drum kit into like a garage and it just starts to like fall apart like no 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 <laughs> it's like put together on like a red rider like a uh, wagon <laughs> the wheels fall off <laughs> like like that's like that um that um he's got sparklers for his like fireworks and shit <laughs> what, what, was it a starbucks commercial that had survivor and they're falling around no, it was geico with, it was geico was it oh wait oh no no, no i'm no, sorry you of europe i think yeah you're right so survivor i think was starbucks yeah i think following around and, that guy and it has like the drum riser wheeling down <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, right. yeah 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 you're right that, yeah, that's I, a good one i, I want to see something like that but like the wheels just fall off the drums <laughs> fall down that would make my life i would go pick it up i'd buy two <laughs> well speaking of live albums here the gathering will release their new live album TG25 live at Dornhus. Uh, on... <laughs> well done. 
Was it really? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, because it looks it's, like it's... It sounded convincing. <laughs> you get <laughs> Yes. I'm getting better. <laughs> I'm going to take a class just for this fucking podcast. Towards Roosh G. <laughs> anyway, that album's coming out on January 29th. Uh, the CD version will be available at Record and other online shops, while the digital version will be released through the band's Bandcamp page. Uh, says the band, there will be no DVD or Blu-ray or VHS release simply because we didn't record this show due to the fact we wanted to have an intimate show with not too many people on stage or running around. Um, good thing about this is that almost all past and present band members were present for this special uh, event um, and they all helped out singing each other and other various songs. So uh, Anna makes an appearance back in the band. Okay. She hasn't been in the band for a while. Mm. Uh, but... If you go to the, the website, you see the list of who participated, which is like a long list of former and current members. Uh, it was actually recorded over a course of uh, one, two. It was a one day event, but it was two concerts in the in that one day, and it's going to be a mix and mash of uh, all the, the the footage of the, those two shows. The thing I like most about this news article is that they tell you that there will not be a VHS release. <laughs> <laughs> this is simply go out of the way to say VHS. For, for all you vintage people. <laughs> it crunkles better. <laughs> for your damn 4x3 standard viewing. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Life of Agony has signed a worldwide deal with Napalm Records. Uh, the band's fifth studio album and their first in over a decade, titled A Place Where There's No More Pain, will be released later this year. I happen to love Life of Agony. I don't know about you guys. Signing to Napalm sounds pretty good. Yeah. yeah Napalm has some, some good stuff. I'm and The thing that bums me out about uh, Life of Agony in particular is that Keith Caputo is now Nina Caputo, and he did not get nearly as much uh, recognition of becoming transgender as like a Caitlyn Jenner did. It, it, this happened years ago, mm-hmm. so I mean, just for having, like, just for that guy to make the transition to become a woman and then continue on in leading life of agony as a woman is actually really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. So good on them, yeah. just for that. Same thing with uh, what was the other band? Was that against Rise me? Against or, or against, against me? me? Against yeah. me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I've heard more about Against Me. I didn't. I, he, there was a there was a long the uh, Rolling Stone article about Against Me. Yeah, I didn't know anything about uh, Keith Caputo doing that. Yeah, he he made the transition a while ago. I had no idea. Yeah, I think he even got to a point where I think either Revolver or Decibel, who does like the hottest chicks in metal, made him a hottest chick in metal. Hmm. Made her a hottest chick in metal, which was you know kind of cool on that end. Yeah. You know. Um, Zach Wilde's new solo album, Book of Shadows 2, will see a April 8th release on E1 Music. I think that is the actual the 20th anniversary of the release of the Book of Shadows that's cool. original one. So that's pretty awesome. Hopefully it sounds just like it. So, um, I mean, is he still going to sing the same way? Uh, he's probably still going to sing like he sings for Black Label right now. Wow. Like, yeah, like wow. Ozzy. <laughs> We're waiting here for you. <laughs> you sound like a cat with his balls getting stepped on. I was gonna say it almost sounded kind of like you know that like jazzy like. I'm waiting here for you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what well, it sounds like that now, dude? You know, he does. I know. And that in that line is in like every song. <laughs> yeah. Walls of Jericho. 
new their new album will be has been christened No One Can Save You From Yourself and we'll see a March twenty fifth release date on Napalm. Yeah, Deep Napalm's busy this week. Yeah. Um here's one that's a total bummer for, for us. Man, a new this. special limited edition black label black Sabbath C D entitled The End will be sold exclusively at shows during the final tour, which kicks off this week. That is such bullshit. Like I Yeah, Pete was heated about this the other day. The C D is comprised of eight previously unreleased tracks. Uh, four songs are outtakes from 13 and four live songs from the 13 world tour. Do they list the track listing? They do on the website, on the, on the news site. I think okay. it was Blabbermouth. Now these are legitimately outtakes that were not included in yes. part, like the Best Buy thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually I'm not sure about, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not. Okay. Yeah. These are not those songs. Okay. Um, and exclusively at their shows. At the shows. At the shows. So you know that when the tour is over, they will sell them somewhere else. I sure as hell hope so. They're, they're going to appear somewhere else. Because that's, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's such a... Damn it! <laughs> I mean, there, there are some cases, like... Okay, with a band as big as Black Sabbath, that does piss me off. Yeah. I remember we went... Um, Mudvayne. When they did... Um, when they originally had their Kill I Auto album. Yeah. Then they did um, LD50... And we tried so hard to get copies of Kill I Auto or anything that was resembling it. We couldn't find their re-release of it anywhere right. except for their show. Right. We ended up spending like 20 bucks on it when we could have bought it. And then store. it was re-released. And it was re- and then it was released to stores for like less than half the price. Yeah, motherfuckers. So, so these kind of things, I'm like, I'll, 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 I'll hold out. Yeah. So. Well, moving on. German thrash metal uh, legends here. Destruction will release their new album, Under Attack, on May 13th via Nuclear Blast. Nuclear Blast, always good. Always good. Hey, Baby Metal will release its second album, Metal Resistance, on April 1st, 2016, via um, RAL Sony Music Entertainment in the U.S. and Ear Music in Europe. So, You know, I don't think I've heard a full Baby Metal song. I think I've heard one. I think Pat yeah. played them on the Shred Shack once. I must have not been paying attention. There must have been some very shiny objects in that room. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, like everyone, like jumps down throat of baby metal because of the the whole gimmick of it. But the fact of the matter is that they're catchy as shit, and their musicians that are behind them are incredible. Yeah. So the music is is really fucking good. It's it's a sure it's, it's it can be viewed as a trained bit of fluff, but it's entertaining. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. And it's not like it's it's not like it's intentionally being insulting or anything like that it's yes it's a novelty but it's a fucking cool novelty well the fact of the matter is that when these girls grow up and you think if they do continue as you know they probably won't be called baby metal anymore they might change their names or anything like that but Asians don't age yeah if they if they continue on and they keep on getting progressively better mm-hmm. I mean the whole stigma of them being little teenage girls it will go away and people might actually pay attention to what the fuck they're doing I think people are afraid that these that they will become the next tattoo they had a song. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They had a song. They were huge for like two seconds. Yep. And it was an annoying ass song. Yeah, it was. So that's it for recording news. Let's go on to touring news. And and, and, and I'm I'm excited for this year because there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out. Right yeah. Now. Ghost has announced another leg of their Black to the Future tour to hit the U.S. this spring. There are many Texas states, but nowhere not here. Oh, you out of time, baby. Yeah, fuckers. 
Yeah. Well, Rocklahoma is celebrating its 10th year this May um, at the Catch the Fever Festival Grounds in Oklahoma, just outside of Tulsa. Uh, their lineup includes, here we go, Scorpions, Disturbed, Rob Zombie, Five Finger Death Punch, Megadeth, Chevelle, Three Doors Down, 6 a.m., Collective Soul, Sebastian Bach, Bullet for My Valentine, Great White, Watch Out for Them Fireworks, Seven Dust, P.O.D., Hell Yes, Steel Panther, Pop Evil, and many, many more. That does sound like a pretty well-rounded lineup. It does. Little, it sounds like it hits all the all the uh, the genres yeah, there the little, in one fell swoop. So that, 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 that would be pretty cool. I wouldn't go to Oklahoma because, I mean... The hell is in Oklahoma. Rocklahoma. Uh, you know. <laughs> and football. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, and, and also very many um, Native Americans. Oh, yeah? Yes. I, I wouldn't know that. I know that for some reason. I think it's because of that old Carmen Sandiego PC game. <laughs> <laughs> and that... Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I wish that was a joke, but it's not. That's how we learned our geography. Yeah. <laughs> it's Carmen Sandiego. Oh, my God. Stop it. All right. After a massive sold-out show in October of this past year, Scorpions are back with an impressive... Five night run at the joint at Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, they're gonna have special guest Queensrÿche uh, for each night of the limited engagement, and the performances are scheduled for May thirteenth, fourteenth, eighteenth, twentieth, and twenty first. Yes, the Scorpions, as you do recall, uh, retired a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, those guys, <laughs> those guys, and they did their farewell tour, and then immediately went on to the next tour. <laughs> <laughs> Retirement sucks. Seriously, like yeah. there was no, there wasn't even a break between the farewell tour and the next tour. <laughs> oh my god! Well, the fourth annual Shaky Knees Festival returns in 2016. Uh, some of the band, some of the bands lined up already are Jane's Addiction. Apparently, they're playing a uh, one of their classic albums in full. Um, there, then there's At the Drive-In, Deftones, Ghost, The Sword, and Baroness. There's going to be over 75 bands performing on five stages throughout May 13th through the 15th at Continental Olympic Park and International Plaza in downtown Atlanta. I'm just going to say this now. With Jane's Addiction, I'm hoping... No, I'm not hoping because I actually don't like Jane's Addiction. I want them to get as snubbed as they did at Lollapalooza when they toured with um, Audio Slave. Because everyone came to see Audio Slave and then everyone left. For James Dixon set. Yes, we did. And with a with someone like at the drive-in, who you know they are, they were really big, for, and then they just kind of broke up, coming back together. It's like everyone's gonna go see that, and then <laughs> James Addiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know why they continue. Because they got some kind of audience out there, obviously. Dave Navarro is a great guitar player. He just needs a better platform for it. Yeah. That well, the Red Chili Peppers was a good one. Anyway. Anyway, moving on. on. Hatebreed have announced that they'll drop a new album. Uh, it's called The Concrete Confessional later this year, and of course, with a new album comes a new tour. We talked about this album cycle thing. And in this case, a new tour with Devil Driver, and depending on which show you attend, either Devil You Know or Act of Defiance. Yeah, not yeah. I I don't really care for Devil You Know or Act of Defiance. Well, I would love to see Hatebreed again because I love them. Hatebreed's good. I I, li- I I like seeing them. So 
But I mean, some better opening acts. Yeah, I, I would hope for. Who, yeah. who do, didn't we see them open for? Typo negative. Ty- yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah, see we that did. show again. <laughs> Terminal Five. I remember that one specifically because it was fucking pouring while we walked over to that venue. And if I'm not mistaken, it was also the one time I got to see Three Inches of Blood. Yes, before they disbanded. Sadness. Because they 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 rocked. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Anyway, Iron Maiden will uh, will make their highly anticipated first ever visit to China in April on the Book of Souls World Tour. Playing at Beijing's Le Sports Center at uh, on April twenty fourth, and Shanghai's Mercedes Benz Arena on uh, April twenty sixth. <laughs> it doesn't sound right when when you say Shanghai's Mercedes Benz Arena. <laughs> it's like all these all of these Chinese words, and then Mercedes Benz. <laughs> it doesn't sound right at all. It sounds like uh, that one time I went to Spain and I and I went to a bar and I said Yo quiero un Jack Daniels. <laughs> 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 it just didn't sound right. What's your <laughs> you could have just left it at Jack Daniels. Right? <laughs> Can I get a Lemmy, please? <laughs> it's going to be international now. International. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's one for uh, us uh, hardcore behemoth fans. They just announced that they will play the Satanist in full on their upcoming North American tour. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We know that they were doing it in Europe. We were speculating whether they were doing it in America or not, and they most certainly are. And they are having that special art exhibit uh, with uh, Toxic Vision travel with them called The Congregation. That's one that has a bunch of the stuff from their videos, some of their old stage props. Um, Merker? Merker. Merker? Okay. The one woman uh, black metal band will be their opening act. We have somebody who actually can pronounce it. Yeah, Merker. Good. Merker. Um, now, the unfortunate thing here is for me and Pete is that there is no San Antonio date. I mean, so, didn't you say there was like, there was a Texas date, though? I think there are a couple of Texas dates, and I'm thinking oh, it's Houston or Austin. Houston or Austin, Houston, right? or even El Paso. El Paso. I don't know. What's I, in El Paso? Okay, I, I, I would say like your your worst bet would be Dallas. Yeah. yeah. In which case, no, because it's yeah. Dallas. It's three hours away. Uh, it's like five Houston. hours away. Yeah, it's true. Forgot. Yeah. I try to block out that drive. I don't know. For this, it might still be worth it. I really <laughs> want to check out this show, especially if they're going to play the entire Satanist album. I know, it's right? definitely worth it. That is so worth it. Well, Cannibal Corpse will tour Europe in the spring with a. Uh, Chrisum, Chrisian, and Hideous Divinity. I'm still considering seeing that um, that Cannibal Corpse show here in San Antonio in March. Yeah, I got my tickets ready for that, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> hey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's here's one for uh, here's Dan. Yeah. Power Man Five Thousand have announced a short January February tour with uh, Nehi Fox and Emissary Echo. You know, it's it's funny, but there's nothing even remotely close to us. I actually went onto their website to see if they were touring before. You had posted up this thing on our script, and I was like, ah, uh, uh. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I know they'll come back around soon because I'm sure they're going to be recording something new soon. Yeah. Um, last week we announced that the Nevermen, which is another one of Mike Portnoy, uh, Mike Portnoy's, Mike Patton's. Um, <laughs> Mike inserts some sort of P Ma- name here. Mike P. Blank. Um, <laughs> one of his side projects, they were going to be going on tour, uh, but they have postponed their debut tour in February due to illness. Uh, there's no details of who's sick or whatever, uh, so their their tour, tour has been postponed. Mm-hmm. All right. Intervals. Uh, Pliny, 
Angel Vivaldi and Save Us from the Arkham will be playing every single note on the neck 10,000 times each night per night across North America this March and April. Was that a copy and paste thing? Yes, it most certainly was. I was going to say, I was like, um... But the fact of the matter is, if you guys know, um, I mentioned Intervals a couple weeks ago. They're another one of those instrumental prog rock bands, and so is uh, Angel Vivaldi. So it makes sense that that's why they would write that down. And you get a sound clip of just like some sort of heavily thing just going, Instraprog! <laughs> or just go, <laughs> something crazy like that. Um, a Treyu Devil You Know from Ashes to New and Cane Hill uh, have a short run book together for March, including a stop in San Antonio March 16th at the Alamo City Music Hall. Oh, Alamo City Music Hall. I've got things to say about you. Let's save it. <laughs> save it. Um, um, Aventasia, his um, uh, Tobias's uh, project that's not Egg Guy, will play three North American shows in April. Um, I actually wrote down the dates for this one because it's, it's only three. So they're playing April 11th in um, California, April 13th in Toronto, and April 15th in New York City. So, is, it, is it bad that my first response is, Canada, that's not America? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're just full of the whole like international insult this week. Mr. Patriot here. I mean, <laughs> right? However, however I, I, I'm not surprised, because when, when people do such short stints, it's always New York and California. And then like a, a thing up north. Like not even just not even just that like like just if they're talking about just America, yeah. it's New York and it's California, yeah. Period. That way they can get off taking off the continent real quick. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think they should also work north to south. They should play North Dakota for nobody, <laughs> and they should play Texas for me. <laughs> You'll be the one guy. I was like, woo, woo, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. Or, or I won't show up that day because I have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Or you leave early before the band even goes on. <laughs> I thought we weren't going to talk about that. Loudness. We went to the loudness show and didn't even see loudness. <laughs> Somebody else was pretty fucking loud. And right. I think that's it for our touring news. Yes, it is. So we're going to talk about heavy metal in the charts, and the first thing up here is not heavy metal. Yes, but the thing is that we mentioned it last week because it was very interesting. Uh, I'm calling this the Beatles update because last week they had like four or five albums on the charts. They still have four albums on the charts, all of them on the decline. Their greatest hits uh, album one is uh, at 33, down from 16. Abbey Road is at 96, down from 77. The White Album is at 106 from 79, and Sgt. Pepper's is at 181, down from 121. Hmm. All right. The Black Album, of course, the Black Album is up big to 64 from 112. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of that, that news about Metallica suing people going around. Yep, <laughs> sounds like it. Who's this band that they're paying tribute to anyway? Anyway, um, Disturbs, Immortalized, still up on the charts, almost a year after it's released, at 71. That's not um, a year. It's only been a couple months. We started this podcast a few months ago. It's The album came out before we started the podcast, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, in the sure. summer, it came out. Yeah. So we're, the, we're coming up summer. on, like, almost a year. It's, like, less than half a year. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Don't fuck with time. From... Well, see that it's still up there above 100. Yes. Okay. Yes, that, that, that is a testament. How to about that? that? All right. And it's even up this week to 71 from 81. Yeah. So eat it. 
Hold on, just, just, get, just get to the next one so I can get this out of the way. <laughs> Fire Freaker Death Punch. Cut. Yo, six. Fuck's sake. <laughs> how many numbers are on this chart, by the way? Because how many more do we have to go before it's off? <laughs> well, they, they have a long way to go because they're still at 93 even though they're down from 91. They still have to get off the charts at 200. Jesus. Yes. I'll be hating my six, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in black... Back again, they're up a they're up a decent amount. They're up at a hundred, coming from one fifty seven. That's not bad. Yep. All right, from out of nowhere, Nirvana, Nevermind, not the greatest hits, but Nevermind itself, back again at one sixteen after being completely off last week. Uh, Bring me the horizon. That's the spirit. Down to one twenty three from uh, eighty nine. Mm-hmm. From out of nowhere, two with a vengeance, Led Zeppelin four. At 138, after no showing last week at all, mm. there is justice again on the charts, with and justice for all being at 148 after being absent last week. The master of the house, master of puppets, is back at 174 after being away last week, mm-hmm. and from out of nowhere, three return of the hair, Bon Jovi, slippery when wet at 195 really after laying dormant. Yes, yeah. I was. I'm trying to make it fun. Come on, <laughs> but they were uh, laying dormant for a week. So, <laughs> yeah, you heard me right. Dormant. <laughs> just get some, like, creepy music to play in the background. <laughs> That's right. Bon Jovi's in the background creeping in the dark. Oh, we'll, get the, um, we'll get the movie previews guy to do this part. <laughs> There's justice again. <laughs> the master of the house is back. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> Come on, it's just, it just it has to be kind of fun. Seeing that we're reporting on the same fucking albums every week. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Got yo six <laughs> Also, let's just make a note that that um Translate Being Orchid has has finally made his complete and utter oh, yeah. exit from the charts. Yeah, it is gone. no longer Christmas, everybody. Get over it. <laughs> they are they are gone now. Although th- that is not entirely true because if you go through it. The Pentatonics are still up there with their Christmas album. There's still like one or two Christmas albums still lingering. That's because Pentatonics are a lot more commercially viable yeah. year round. Yeah, but still. So oh. that's it for heavy metal in the charts. A little bit shorter this week, despite your your dramatics. My bombast. Your dramatics. Come on, Dra- dra- dramatics. Um, so we're going to throw in an occasional, or one of our occasional bits, um, which is. We saw a show, I saw a show, however you want to call it. Uh, we're not going to get into too much detail because we are going to be filming videos later on uh, for both of these shows. And um, I'll be releasing them hopefully on Wednesday and Friday, um, a week after each show happened. Um, so we're going to let you guys take it away with the show that you saw, which was kind of a kind of a big deal. Yeah, it was kind of a big deal, especially here in San Antonio because... Mm-hmm. Tickets went on sale in November for Tool and Primus at the AT&T Center, and they sold out within minutes. Yep. And I was listening to the radio station, 99.5, The Kiss down here. Um, they've been trying to give away tickets forever, and it's it's been a big deal down here in Texas. Say, they don't have to try to give away tickets. Yeah, 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 no. yeah definitely not, because the place was sold out. As, I mean, it was packed. Every the single seat yeah. was filled. It was incredible to see that. Yeah, it really was. Um, we got the. I was a little confused because our ticket said seven thirty, but then the next day I found one of the writers from like someone posted on Instagram that the doors opened up at actually six thirty, and the first band Three Teeth went on at like six forty five. Yeah, 
Um, so they got kind of ripped off yeah, because they did. I mean I I got there like a little bit before seven thirty and a lot of people were just starting to get like I was surprised like the parking lot wasn't even that full at that point. And uh I walked in, I stopped by the merch table and as I walked into my seat, like Primus was already on stage. I was like, What the fuck's going on? Yeah, like we pulled in like when you texted me, we were pulling into the to the parking lot and we were in that we were in there by just probably shortly after eight o'clock and we walked in during Primus's first song and it was like the fuck? Um, but I don't know if anyone knows anything about the AT&T Center, but if you think about the AT&T Center, it's where the San Antonio Spurs play, so it's a professional sporting arena, pretty much just like Madison Square Garden, Nassau Coliseum, or any kind of sporting arena in your local area, for those who don't live in here or in New York. But it's huge, it sounds great, and it's it's just really awesome for that venue, for, for a band like Tool to play that venue. However... I much would have rather have seen uh, Primus in a smaller venue because it's just those three guys up on stage. They have like two screens up there. Um, but if you were to see them at a place like the Majestic or Aztec Theater, it probably would have been that much better mm. because their songs and their 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 jamming just lends it to be more of an intimate thing than a big arena. I totally agree with that. I mean, in fact, I remember thinking that too. It was like I kind of just wish I was up close to see you know, less Claypool playing bass, yeah, you know? So. Yeah. Um, cause especially during when I was big bound beaver, which is like, they announced it as his, as their rare song. That they don't play. Of course there was their big hit back in the nineties, but I remember listening to it as a kid on, on CD as like, Oh my God, how could they ever reproduce that bass sound live? And he not only does it, but it sounds so perfect that you think you're listening to it on record. Um, like, his playing is so fucking incredibly tight and so spot on. And there's, there's not enough things I can say about Les Claypool, Les Claypool's talent as a musician on stage. And they extended a couple of their tracks to like longer jam sessions that were really fun to listen to, um, which were, was cool and bad at the same time. Cause they only got so much time to play mm-hmm. that they only got to just play a certain number of songs. I think it was a total of like maybe seven or eight songs where so, yeah. uh, they could have probably played two or three more in the times that they use the jam. So, uh, but tool on the other hand, uh, they opened up with my favorite Led Zeppelin song of all time. No quarter, which has been their staple since their Halloween show this past, this past year. And that right there, I could have went home and been perfectly happy with that. Cause I love that song. I love their cover of it. And it sounded so incredible in that huge arena yeah. i mean that band is built for this kind of stage i mean they need to they have a lot of space to fill and their sound fills up that space incredibly well um their song selection was really good we're not gonna get like we said we're not gonna get into too many details about it um the only gripe i had about their song selection is i wish they would have placed a little bit more older stuff they pretty much played for everything from anima on so a lot of stuff from uh ten thousand days um, Lateralis. Lateralis and and of course Anima, and the only old song they played was Sweat mm-hmm. from um, Opiate. Well, they played Opiate too, didn't they? No, they didn't. Well, apparently, Sweat was like the first time they played that in years. Yeah, it was the first time they played it in eighteen years. Yeah, we're all gonna go to setlist.fm yeah. <laughs> right now. Right? Uh, I'm already there, so okay. Uh, I, I'm on top of these things. Yes, you are. Um, yeah, they played Opiate. They played Opiate. Did it? Yeah, that was like oh. their third song. Oh, uh, well, I fucked up. Song six. Okay. Was it on six? Yeah. Because uh, like after the grudge. Yeah, a lot of these look like I, I'm seeing a lot of um, 
lateralis and 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 uh, animal tracks. Yeah, parable, par- uh, parabola, schism. Um, forty six and two stink fist. Man, these all. Yeah, that was the that was how they closed the show, and that yeah, was that was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed that lateralis set though. Yeah, from, that was that was really yeah. good. Especially th- that was what it was. They played they played no quarter of the it, garage and then the lateralis set, right? Yeah, that had to have been because after the lateralis was opiate then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was my bad then. But still, all in all, a great show, and the only gripe. Um, I had about tool set besides the lack of more older songs like I could have done with prison sex and or sober yeah. or um, a part of me which would have been great to see live um, they had an intermission um, they called it an intermission but this is pretty much where the the band leaves the stage lets the crowd cheer and then comes back for an encore but they actually had a timed intermission it was 12 minutes long that clock t- countdown thing going on and that's when they came back for what would be considered their encore it was a uh, Danny Carey drum solo, uh, sweat, sweat, and then Stink Fist. I could have done without the intermission. Mm-hmm. They could have played upwards of two songs like Prison Sex or um, Sober in that in that twelve minutes, or one really long song. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was needed, unless Mater had to get out of his riot gear to take a piss. But other than that, I, I, I just. I felt they could have played a little bit more. That very well may have been what it was. It was just an opportunity for them to go, like, you know, take a piss break. I mean, I know that at the San Diego show, uh, Maynard was actually late to one of the songs because of, he was just in the bathroom. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it needed to be like 12 minutes long. Um, and, and especially cause I, up, up until that point, I hadn't read anything about the show. You know, I went in there like kind of totally, uh, like just, ready to just see it fresh and i thought like that meant that they're gonna play a lot more songs i got like really excited so i didn't i didn't think it was well, gonna be I, just I knew a, that, a I knew that wasn't gonna encore. be the case because the, the curfew at most of these venues are always is always 11 o'clock that's true and yeah. they started this intermission at like 10 30 ish so by the time they come back they had 15 minutes left to play whatever so i felt they should have not done that they should have maybe shortened the intermission to like maybe three or four minutes and done, like I said, one or two more songs. And I think they had the time for it. Yeah. What I'm seeing here on the on the set list, um, take out the drum solo, and um, I think Parable from Lateralis is a short track. It is, but it kind of... It sets it the stage. Yeah, Parabola. kind of need it but to lead I'm into s- it. I'm saying listed here, it's listed as a track. Yeah. So take those two away, you have 11 songs. That's kind of disappointing for something as big as this band. Yeah, well, the thing is also one of the other ones called Descending. That's not a song. Mm-hmm. That's a new instrumental thing that they've been doing in between tracks. So that's not even a real song. So you take that out, you got ten. You got ten. That's disappointing. Not, I, you know, the thing is, it's the songs that they played are tend to be long. I mean, Anima itself is like a good like seven, six to seven minute long song. Mm-hmm. The Parabola, the song Parabola, is is a long song. Uh-huh. No quarter. Their cover of it's a good ten to eleven minutes. Okay. So we're talking about they they picked songs that last long duration. That's why they only play so many of them. Mm-hmm. Which is why I said in that time frame of twelve minutes they could have played two songs right. or one long song, and it would have been perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But the thing is they 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 pace this the the the, uh, the show very well because uh, Maynard doesn't interact with the crowd very much. Mm-hmm. He says one or two quick quips and that's about it. You can't even see the man on stage. He sits. He stands next to Danny Carey's drum set in the darkness. 
He's wearing some riot gear um, as a costume, but you can't even see it. So it's he's that's not he's not a front man in this band. He's he's just the singer. Mm. Um, but again, I just wish they could have played a little bit more in that intermission time. And I don't know if we'd want to talk about it here, but I mean, you also have to consider, I don't know how much it applies, um, like the visual effects. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, yeah. I mean, that's definitely another key thing about this show and how much it, um, how much it plays into songs like parabola and schism. Like that was a big deal. Yeah. That was a big deal, but we'll talk about that more in the yeah. video. Yeah. But all in all, minus our, our minor gripes here the show was absolutely phenomenal okay. it was so good the sound was incredible which we'll get into more detail in the in the video yeah. but if you if you if this show is coming to your city you must catch it yeah. period oh absolutely yeah. i've been telling my friends that like you know this is a show that i will definitely remember for the rest of my life so you need to go check it out if you have the opportunity i did not go see that show <laughs> <laughs> um I would I would eventually like to see Tool, um, you know. All gripes aside, I would like to go see them at some point. Not exactly bucket list, but you know something. No, probably worth it to go see them when they have some new material out too. Yeah, I yeah, mean that yeah. that would probably make it the show a little bit. You know, because the last time I saw them was almost fifteen years ago. Damn. Because it was right when Lateralis came out, and Ten Thousand Days came out ten years ago. Yeah, something like that. And so Lateralis came out a couple years Lateralis before that. So we're, we're yeah, we're pushing fifteen years here, yeah. um, and a lot of the songs were pretty much the same. You know, Parallel, Parabola, blah 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 blah. Uh, I just I'm just really looking forward to seeing them live again when they have some new stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so I went to go see um, Queensrÿche play at the Alamo City Music Hall. Um, I had mentioned on before on a previous podcast that I had seen Symphony X and Overkill at the Alamo City Music Hall, and I had a hardcore gripe about the sound of the venue, because it sucked balls for Symphony X and Overkill. Um, wasn't as bad this time around, um, but unfortunately the sound did not do any favors for two of the four bands I played this night. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to start off, quick thing, um, I'm currently wearing a Byfist t-shirt. Byfist was one of the uh, opening acts. I missed the very first band, which is a band named Seance. Um, but I caught this band named Byfist. Power Metal in San Antonio. And they fucking killed it. It was amazing. Sound-wise, um, it wasn't even... The sound didn't even detract from, from how good this band was. Um, so I was definitely interested in hearing more from these guys. I got to listen to a couple tracks on their YouTube page. It sounded good. I look forward to seeing these guys somewhere live again because it was great. Uh, next band up was Halcyon Way. Um, name sounds familiar, but I wasn't... Yeah. I didn't walk into their show knowing any of their stuff. And this is one of the bands with the sound kind of... kind of didn't do any favors for. Um, I could hear there was a lot of there was a lot of good instrumentation. There was a lot of good vocal melodies, but it was all really muddled, so I couldn't really appreciate it very much. I almost considered buying um, one of their albums just so I can go home and listen to it and say like, okay, this is this is what it should have sounded like. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't. But you know, their again performance. It sounded it despite the muddled sound. It did sound otherwise good. They had some good energy. I couldn't complain about it. 
next one up was um, called Maytal. Um, apparently, unbeknownst to me, despite being on YouTube myself, there is a uh, a lady who does drum covers of metal songs. Um, very skilled drummer herself, which is funny because she makes it look so effortless. But she's playing stuff like Nightmare by Avenged Sevenfold, and it's like she's just kind of doing it. It's not like she's getting crazy into it. She's just playing it. Um, <clears throat> but apparently this lady, after getting a lot of success on YouTube for her covers and for this, that, and the other thing, um, formed a band, and they're on tour. And this is the other band that the sound did not lend anything to because walking into it not knowing their music, I didn't walk away from it saying, man, I need to check this out more. Mm-hmm. There was there was nothing really that, that sounded, that drew me in. Um, so again, good, but not not enough to make me, you know, shit bricks. Like, by fist. <laughs> <laughs> shit and bricks. Lastly, and of course, the main reason for going is Queensryche. Queensryche with uh, Todd Latore. Which I think that if this was still a Jeff Tate fronted band, I would not have cared enough to go see it. But I wanted to see how uh, Todd Latore does live, and it was really fucking good. Um, I would definitely recommend any fan of Queensrÿche going to see this current lineup because they are really good. They're really on top of their game. Um, I think with most shows that I go to, I'm not always keen on the set list. Seems like it. It seems like that's the main gripe you have every time you see a show. Well, because I I feel like there are better songs to be played. Um, They played... um, Okay, so I had the sit list in front of me. I thought with the whole thing with um, the the lawsuit that they couldn't play anything Operation Mindcrime. They can? They can. Oh, shit. And they played a bunch. They played the song Operation Mindcrime. Uh, They played The Mission. They played... um, Eyes of a Stranger. Nice. They closed with Eyes of a Stranger. Oh, that's a great fucking yeah. song. So I thought, I thought because of the fact that they were in that lawsuit, they couldn't play these songs live. But they, they apparently can, or they're just breaking the law. Bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> Judas Priest. <laughs> Mef- oh my god, you have to put that clip in there now. Bam, bam. <laughs> but um, they did, they did a decent mix of old and new. They obviously played Queen of the Reich. Right. Highlight of the show. One of the highlights of the show. Um, they opened up with Guardian from the new album. Not my favorite from the new album. I, I would have preferred something like Arrow of Light or even the title track from, from Condition Human. Um, but it is one of their singles. It's probably their current single. They're pushing it. Uh, so it's there. Um, from Empire, they played Best I Can and Anybody Listening, Empire, and Jet City Woman. So their their commercial album they played and they played they played some good tracks from it so I can't complain about that, um, but like they pulled off um, a track from the previous album called In This Light and I'm like, the previous album you should have pulled out some some harder hitting tracks the the last few on the album maybe, um, and they also pulled one from their album Promised Land which, like, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody cares, Dan. Somebody cares. So in that regard, I, what I, I my gripe with with Queen Drake's last two albums is kind of my gripe with this show. They seem to be really playing it safe. They're kind of 
holding back and they could be playing some better stuff. You can take out one or two tracks in there. Even even you could, you could even take out the song Operation Mind Crime and throw Speak Spreading the Disease, The Needle mm. Lies, I Don't Believe in Love. I Don't you Believe put, in Love. You could put any of those tracks in there and I would have been a little bit happier. Um, but again, the older tracks they did play, like Screaming in Digital, uh, Take Hold of the Flame, it's perfect. They're great. It's not, like they they have they have the formula. They just really need to kick it up, and I don't know how they're going to do it. <laughs> they need to do it soon though, because I'm getting really mad. Yeah, you seem kind of heated <laughs> over here, bud. Well, no, like, again, it was a good show. Even um, they played one of my favorite songs from Empire, one of my favorite songs from them, which is Anybody Listening. Didn't think they were going to play that, and they it was amazing. So you know, they, again, there there were several highlights, a lot more highlights than there were gripes. I can say about this show, which is, I don't want to say it's not typical for me because that makes me sound like an asshole. But well, you are a hipster. Yeah. Eat a dick. <laughs> but but I will say <laughs> you get so heated. <laughs> I, I will say, Tyler Torre live with this band is great. Um, new lineup, fantastic. Go catch them. It's not like seeing. <laughs> The take cover uh, tour when they uh, when they had the saxophone for Welcome to the Machine that Jeff oh Tate, my god that, that Jeff was Tate was so not actually bad. playing yeah it's not oh. like that <clears throat> this is actually legitimately good stuff um, so definitely check out Queen's Rig on tour uh, and the next time around I might go see them so they, they were really good so and that's it for we saw a show we will actually be doing legit videos for this. Um, filming after we do this podcast and you can catch them later on during the week um, in the meantime we're going to move on to our social media highlight for the week Chris you can start me off alright I guess reopen up this script here I said like close it oh you fucker yeah well anyway um, my social media highlight is a band that I follow me on Twitter they're called Solace and Exile They're self-described as the original manga metal band <laughs> from Sydney, Australia. Um, they were formed in 1999 by bassist and main songwriter Mike Lambeth. Um, the band is, sounds very uh, traditional heavy metal. Uh, with a little bit of um, the progressive side in there, not much though. Like not not the progressive stuff I've been listening to as of late. So it's not like a, not a lot of noodly uh, stuff. <laughs> it's not the stuff that I've been listening. Yeah, to. That, yeah, that, that was, was very uh... pretentious. Very pretentious. Yes, <laughs> I do not deny that whatsoever. Um, so, but a very exclusive club, Big Four. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> there will be no anime in my progressive metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like, I'm not very familiar with uh, the anime thing. Uh, I really, yeah, I, I can't even, I can't even, like, not sound pretentious about this at all. It's a I thing. really can't. It exists. Um, but it's the the thing is on their Facebook page is, uh, Solace and Exile are a Sydney-based progressive metal concept band with an extensive collection of manga artwork and metal music to draw upon. That doesn't sound like something I would. Buy. 
<laughs> I don't know. Well, look at these guys. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do any of them have blue hair? Red hair. Okay. Red hair. Okay. Yes. I was gonna say you gotta uh, have blue hair. Yeah. Um, actually, I listened to uh, half of their album that I found on uh, Bandcamp. And it was actually really good. You know, like I said, I'm not very familiar with their, their lyrical content, so I really don't know what they're talking about. But their music was really good. I enjoyed it. So that's why I put them up here. I didn't would have done anything if I was just going to make fun of the guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't, we didn't even make fun of them. Yeah. Um, so I would really recommend checking these guys out. Um, so you can check them out on Twitter uh, at Solace and Manga. Um, and they're also solaceandexile.bandcamp.com. <clears throat> My social media highlight for the week is going to be corrupt leaders. This requires some explanation. Um, so, we don't have all night, no. <laughs> no, no, no. This, this, this requires a little bit of explanation, okay? There's some story here. Um, long time ago... Background. So long time ago, um, I'd say mid-2013, um, the Shred Shack, even before my time, this is before I got onto the radio show, uh, Shred Shack really received a message from uh, Rainy Forster who, uh, more commonly known as Rain Forest, is the singer of this band, Corrupt Leaders, and the founder of their label, Mosh Pit Tragedy. Uh, so he sent us a message this um, way back when, asking us to take a listen to the album they just released, or the EP that they just released, which is uh, eponymous. So it's the Corrupt Leaders EP. Because uh, they were trying to get some, um, you know, get some reviews out there and get some, some recognition going on. Um... Now, I don't think there was any follow-up at the time for this release, as far as our end. Uh, I don't know if Pat listened to it or anything like that. There was no messages going back and forth. Uh, but since I've been going back through the messages, I saw this and said, okay, I'm going to take a listen to it. Um, since that message, um, these guys have actually gotten a little bit more recognition because of a viral video that they released of the singer's mother, I believe it's mother, uh, doing vocals on the album. I would like to mention at this point that this is grindcore. Oh, I think I heard, I think I heard about this video. Yes. This oh is, my god. This is grindcore from Canada, formed in 2013. But the singers, the singer's mother, did some vocals for this album, and the video is actually quite funny. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that aside, um, I got to listen to two EPs from this band. Um, I did not get to listen to their split, but I just want to say that these two EPs combined is no more than 10 minutes long. It is grindcore at its finest. <laughs> um, that is classic. I, I st- 
started to get more inclined toward grindcore after seeing uh, Napalm Death. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed you, you've been listening, at least giving it more yeah. of a chance yeah, cause, than in the cause past. With these guys in particular as well, it's not just a whole bunch of noise for a couple of seconds and then that's it. There's actually a little bit more to it. There's a lot more skill to the instrumentation. There's just something there. And the vocals are, you know, they they are that yell, raspy, 66-year-old woman thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's it's still accessible for someone like me who is not always keen on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's not like the songs are like you know going on and on. It's like as soon as you start to feel that they might be overstaying their welcome, song's over. Next song. Next song. Um, but since the original Corrupt Leaders EP, they have released the Grind Mother EP, which features the guys' um, mother vocals. Um, but again, short bursts. Quick tracks. Just good grindcore. Um, I again, I'm not too familiar with the genre. I can't sit here and say, "Oh man, they sound like these guys." They sound like these guys. They sound like these guys. I just liked it for what it was. So, um, but you should definitely check them out. Corruptleaders.bandcamp.com. Check out anything as far as their label goes because they um, they picked up a lot of stuff. If you go onto their Wikipedia page, uh, Moshpit Tragedy, um, they got a lot of bands there, including uh, from what I saw, Extreme Noise Terror. Who is? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're on that label. And they're okay. and they've been around for, for like almost three decades now. Yeah. So they they've got some names there. Um so well established. But something about this struck me struck me right. And uh after two and a half years he's <laughs> like, Hey, we finally gave you a review. Uh we're we're sorry. Although then again, none of us were there at the time. So yeah, I was actually just looking through the Facebook messages recent just now actually, and we have to follow up on Anthony Nelson. That's um, that's one of uh, Pat's friends. Yeah, he, he just sent us um, one of the tracks to follow to follow up on, so probably something we do next week. Yeah, you hear that? No, you didn't hear that. <laughs> I'm I'm still going through it, so I'm still in 2013 with the messages. So I'm just more on like the the newer ones as they come in. Yeah, why don't you go back to about November 20th when we got a request to review a certain album? <laughs> hey, <laughs> oh my god! Why don't you stop talking? <laughs> I, I have to pee. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Um, that that review is coming very soon. Yes, we decided we are recording it the weekend of the 30th. Yes. That yes. is official. Mm-hmm. And I will try to churn it out as quickly as possible. Um, you know what? Let me, let me see. I need a calendar real quick. Okay. I'm saying this right now. That review is going up February 5th. All right, we are now have a deadline. Okay, because first Friday of each month is an album review. Okay, then. So there you go. Nightmare World, in the fullness of time, video review, confirmed, February 5th. We must not fail. <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing. I, find your I saw the of... movie, finally. I know, I know. How'd you like it? Man. <laughs> <laughs> <A> fucking <laughs> hipster bullshit from you. I don't... 
fucking hate. Uh, I can, I can, no, I can, I can. Oh, You're a douche and you know it. <laughs> All right, hold on. Non-metal moment right here. I'm going to talk quickly about Star Wars <laughs> Force Awakens. Good movie. Bit way too hard off a of new hope. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was a new hope redone, that's... but not like George Lucas redone. Yeah. That's yeah. basically what it was. Minor things here and there, but overall. But they, they also play that up though. It's like, even when they're trying to, to, to make the plan to attack the state, like, there's always a way to blow these things up. It's like, yes, Han, we've seen the three movies. There's always a way to blow these things up. <laughs> Basically, like like every five minutes, there should have been a, a, somebody just kind of look at the screen and go, remember when that happened? <laughs> remember that? There kind of yeah. was, in a way, with like the C-3PO's and like, the moments. It was, you know. it was a whole lot of fan service. Exactly. But yeah. it was like, plot-wise, it bit off heavily from a new hope. Well, I'm just I'm I'm just looking forward to what they do going forward. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I think that's what this movie was really all about is just kind of establishing the the next line of the story. Yeah. And it, also they always they always say that history repeats itself. So here we are repeating ourselves. Yeah. I mean, if the next one bites off of Empire Strikes Back, I don't think I'd be too disappointed with yeah, that. Yeah, that Empire Strikes Back was the best Star Wars movie ever. Mm-hmm. If this is Empire Strikes Back part 2, I'm par- Stoked, yeah, boner, sir. Let's go. Yeah. So you know, overall, good movie. Um, I've never been a huge Star Wars fan, so yeah, it, no. it didn't sit there and like, like you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't sitting there trying to eat my meal at the Alamo Draft House while dodging my cock. <laughs> okay, that's like, like it wasn't like that kind of thing. But you know, it was good. Yeah, I, you know, I can eat. <laughs> I can eat. Yeah. You know. Whatever. So, so yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad that I contributed my eleven dollars to the, the the few billion dollars that I yeah. have now. But yeah, so that's our non-metal moment. <laughs> Let's move on to our actual discussion for the night, which is not Star Wars related. Um, that depends. No. <laughs> you who I don't know where this came from. Where did this I, come I from? found this? Um, I was going through my Facebook feed. It was last Sunday, actually. Was, I think it was shortly after we recorded the the podcast last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jessica, no, no, it wasn't Jessica. I think it was, um, Sound of Thunder or Unleash the Archers, uh, posted this. It was Metalholics, uh, top 25 women of hard rock and heavy metal in 2015. I think, this might've been a Sound of Thunder. I think it was a Sound of Actually, I think later on in the week, I think, uh, also Unleash the Archers posted it because she's featured in it. So. Yeah, because I, I think, I think it was a Sound of Thunder because I think, um, apparently she's been featured in the um, in the list before. Oh, and they okay. were saying thank you again. For, okay, gotcha. I think that was the case. Well, this is Metalholics Top 25 Women in Hard Rock and Metal for 2015. Now, this is fan voted. Okay, so this is starting off at 25? And... No, it's not ranked It's, it's not all. ranked number. It's just the top 20, the, the, the women who got the most votes, the top 25 women who got the most votes. It's not ranked number 1 okay, to 25 or anything cool. like that. They're pretty much just listed. That's fine. All right. Um, just a couple of things here that I mentioned that P and I have been talking about on this list of people who are women who are not on the list. Um, uh, Jill Janis from Huntress is not on the list, although she had a pretty big 2015. Um, these women had a very quiet 2015, which is probably why they weren't on the list, so to speak. Um, Maria Brink from In This Moment. Um, Sharon from Within Temptation. Christina from Lacuna Coil. Taylor Mumpson from The Pretty Reckless and Alyssa from Arch Enemy. Hmm. These are women who are not on the list, although 
Alyssa, I mean, I'm surprised by that because not, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised, but I I think it's because like I guess this is like women who had something that's gone on in 2015, like specifically the year 2015. Is is that what this list is for? Like it's top just, 25 of the year? I think so because uh, uh, the, what the article says here it says big vote getters who had a rather quiet 2015 yeah. that make the list pretty much every year. But are not gotcha. on the list. Okay, so so we'll just say so, that this is for the year 2015. This is pretty much for the year 2015. Okay. okay. So the first one up is Kimberly Freeman from uh, One Eye Doll. I have no idea what that is. Again, nope. the, what I did here is um, earlier on this week is I went through and I tried to listen to as much of this as I can because the article gives you the name of the woman, a short blurb about them, and then um, a music video or a audio track to listen to so you get an idea of what they do mm. um she's the front woman of uh one eyed doll and it's actually just a duo um very gothic uh sounding and if you just look at her look you know a lot of black a lot of dark eyeliner um you know her videos taking place in the snow kind of thing um but the thing is it actually was quite good i enjoyed it um very harkens back to like i said a lot of the more gothic sounding stuff i think there's a little of, uh, electronica in there that was good. Uh, so I I would recommend this one for, you know, just giving it a, a good listen if you're looking for something a little bit different. Because, um, again, remember, this is not just metal. This is hard rock and metal. Yeah. So you got to take that into account when we get to some of the names on this list. Okay. All right. Uh, next up on the list is Alicia Demner from Stitched Up Heart. Uh, this is a band I actually heard of uh, a little while ago. Um, they were... Um, I think it was I just coming across them in in like Blabbermouth or something like that. And I always get intrigued by uh, female fronted uh, bands just because I always like them. Um, but I listened to it; and it was actually pretty good. Uh, I think this is more tended towards a little bit of rock. I want to say than metal. I don't remember offhand, but definitely worth a listen. This one was good. Thunder Mother. All right, very traditional. Hard rock, heavy metal sounds, and it's it's a full female band. Like so, it's female guitarist, drummers, singer, everything, and these girls rock so hard. Are they including the entire band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, they're, it they're, says... Actually, they're they're noted here as the 2015 breakout artist. And are they are they counted individually or as one thing? One thing, one thing, okay. one thing. and they are they were really fucking good. Okay. Um. I would highly recommend this. They're a more of like a much harder edge version of, say, Hailstorm, I would say. Yeah, you know? say that. They're much, like you said, much more of that classic kind of yeah. hard rock. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like this. I think I'm just looking at it. Um, they have a bluesy rock and roll roots that recall the likes of ACDC, Motorhead, and Thin Lizzy. Yeah. So I think that that pretty much sells it right there. So... Of course, Lizzie Hale is on the list. We all know her from Hailstorm. Um, I don't mind Hailstorm. Like, like I said, I went out and I bought their first record, and I actually really, really, really did like it. But I won't go out of my way to go out and buy a second one. The first one was five bucks at Walmart, so that's why I picked it up. So yeah, uh, I just think there are better female singers than her out there. Yeah, but you gotta give her a props. I mean, I saw her live at uh, River City Rock. Fest, that's right. Yeah, and she's they, they put on a good show. Yeah, so. Uh, the next one up is Sky Manson. Uh, she's just a keyboardist in this band from Los Angeles. 
Uh, they're more of a rock alt metal band, so very typical sounding. And she plays keyboards. I, when I listened to the track, I really couldn't hear anything of the keyboards. Uh, again, I was listening to it on my laptop, so I, I probably didn't get it a full my full attention as I should have. Um, but I really have nothing else more to say about this one. Uh, Maya's Shining from Forever Still. Um, this one I liked. I liked. She had a very powerful voice. She looks like a very short woman, so she kind of reminds me of just big powerful voice behind a small person, kind of like Dio, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Um, I really did enjoy it. Yeah, listen to this one too. Uh, the video that they had, um, "Awake the Fire," and uh, yeah, that was okay. Um, uh, you know, a lot of this, like you said, I mean, it's not like metal. In that sense, it's just a lot of it's just hard rock. If yeah. I'm being honest, so like, yeah, I mean, but I I thought it was it was pretty good for what it was. Yeah. Next one up is our our lady friend Nina Asagata from uh, A Sound of Thunder. Yeah. And, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Quality, high quality stuff. I actually got a chance to finally listen to a song, um, and man, you're absolutely right. Yeah, she wails. Yeah, fucking awesome. Yes. So definitely worth it on the top of this one. Um, next one up is Lauren Hart from Once Human. That's the one with uh, Logan Mater from uh, previously of Machine Head. Uh, this one is more along the lines of, I would say almost like an arch enemy because she screams. Yeah. She's a screamer. She's not a singer. If I remember this right, this is the one where like the first half of the album is really like heavy. Heavy, and, and then the second half kind of slows it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it, it, it kind of like it kind of comes out of left field with the melody and yeah. then goes mostly melodic. Yeah. So. Like they definitely, they definitely, like she definitely has a good mix. Yeah. But I, I'm mostly impressed by her her lungs when she's screaming because yeah. she does definitely remind me of Alyssa and um, Angela from Arch Enemy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely worth definitely worth a listen to on that one. Yeah. New Year's Day is something I think I featured on um, one of my social media highlights early on. We gotta um, start keeping track of the yeah. Ones we I, do. I really should. I mean, I've been saving the I've been saving the scripts. Uh, but I'd never look back. Yeah, because like I, I know when we were talking about um, the Norhad album that came out this week, I was like, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this one is again more of a, a rock sound um, than anything else. Um, apparently, the Ashley Costello, who's the lead singer of, the, of New Year's Day, she's a big fan of Paramore and My Chemical Romance, so that's probably where she draws her influence from. Uh-huh. Uh. Another lady that you mentioned to us here is uh, Cobra Page from Cobra and the Lotus. Yeah. Um, they specifically mentioned their cover of Black Velvet here. Oh, yeah. That's that it. was fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, this one uh, kind of divided me and Pete here. It's uh, the lead singer from Diamonds. Uh, Priya, Priya Panda. Priya Panda. I I like Diamonds. I, thought, I think she's awesome. Mm. You know, I like her attitude. I like the way she delivers certain uh, lines. Uh, I like her. Uh, this is where I feel. This is where it kind of starts, kind of div- crossing that line from like that hard rock stuff we're talking about to just straight up gimmicky, in my opinion. I, I don't. Know, I just don't like it. Mm. I, I can't. Next one up is um, uh, Alyssa's replacement in the Agonist, Vicky. Um, I actually listened to the song and. They really didn't miss a step with Alyssa leaving. I mean, Alyssa has her sound, but this chick definitely fills in the shoes pretty damn well. Um, so this is one of the albums I wish I picked up when it came out, um, but I never got a chance to. 
and I'm definitely definitely I definitely want to pick it up now because I'm totally into it. Next up, this is one another one that that uh, Pete didn't like is the Butcher Babies. I mean, again, I mean this is gimmick through and through for me. I I just I don't like this music at all. Like, the honest. thing is, I listened to their last record. I like the Butcher Babies, and I and I liked it. I think they're they they are straying away from the whole gimmicky thing. They're actually putting clothes on, so they're not just being like that band anymore. And, and that's not even what I mean either. I don't want this to be misconstrued like I'm, you know any kind of misogynistic way it's just the sound to me is very kind of gimmicky uh, I like I said I listened to the last record I actually really enjoyed it I, what, I didn't think I was going to I thought it like I thought it was going to be very like when uh, Jada Pickett Smith was in a metal band like how much of a joke that was that's what I thought this was going to be but I thought this was a lot more legitimate than that yeah it, it definitely is I, I, I the few tracks that I heard from the previous album which I think was Monster's Ball is that the name of the album uh yeah, Monster Ball was in yeah. the name of the previous album. This one is is called Take It Like a Man. Okay, the ones I did hear from this band, I did thoroughly enjoy. Um, and it's cool that there's two singers to the band. Yeah. So yeah. So you got this this double dose of of pain. What you what what what, what you got something to say? No. Okay. What? <laughs> well, here's one with the very appropriate name, Britney Slays from yes. Unleash the Archers. Yep. Yeah. We've been we've been talking about Unleash the Archer since that album came out here on the podcast, and um, Pat and Reese got a chance. Was it just Pat and Pat or Pat and Reese got a chance to interview her? I think both of them did. Okay, I'm, well they got I'm a chance gonna, to interview her. And, I remember driving down here uh, back in in June, listening to that on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Was so fucking good. Yeah. They are one hell of a band, and Pete is here sitting sitting here. He's got the um, song in his head right now. No, he's, yeah, he's just regretting not putting them in his top five yeah, when we did the, the like, podcast a couple weeks ago. I even think, yeah, I just totally missed this to go into my top five for 2015. Yeah, I mean, the song that they put on the website uh, for this article was Test Your Metal, God, and that too. is a great track. And actually, everything on that record is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. So she definitely earned her spot here. Uh, the next one I'm uh, not really familiar with, actually, is because yeah, it's, it's the uh, unsigned unsigned. spotlight. Uh, Carly Simon Warnick. Yeah, I got nothing because there's no, there's nothing for me to listen to here. Mm. Next up is is Annika from um, the Gentle Storm and the Gathering. Yeah, yeah, everything about her is fantastic. So, everything she does with Aryan, anything she does with Devin Townsend, everything she does on herself is just out of this world. I love her so some, much. Something something very strange but alluring about her voice. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it sounds like it shouldn't sound as good as it does. Yeah, it, it, it's it sounds just kind of. Like creepy but soothing at the same time. Yeah, I, I especially love like the stuff that she does with Devin Townsend because it sounds so poppy, but yeah. it's really not. Yeah, you know. Speaking of sounding a little poppy, um, Elise from Amaranth. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be cynical. <laughs> Did somebody say cynical? <laughs> So, yeah, I think she deserves it, because I actually, like, when I first heard the band, I thought they were a little too poppy for me, but subsequent listens, they are they are pretty goddamn good. I mean, they're they're good. I, I uh, If the rest of their songs do sound like Drop Dead Cynical, then they are, like, way poppy. Yeah, they really, they are, but the thing is, it's like, it's not unlistenable. Mm-hmm. No, you know, like, I, I, I really do enjoy it. 
next up is a mainstay here. Um, Simone Simons from Epica. Yeah, that's, yeah. There's, yeah, no there's absolutely no denying. I, I can hear Lindsay getting a lady boner from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's no doubt that she belongs in this list every year forever. Yeah. The next one I listened to this song by Diamante and I did I just didn't like it. This is I mean this was just bad. This like, is like pretty much I I don't know. There's just something about it that really bothered me about it. It's like a a, a female trying to be Motley Crue and I I don't like Motley Crue. But just like musically, lyrically, I mean, it was just bad. Yeah. It it wasn't a good song or anything. Yeah. I don't know anything about this. Yeah. And you don't need to. I really did not enjoy it whatsoever. Mm. Um, Next up is Charlotte from Delane and Phantasma. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think we just heard a Peter Boner right there. (laughs) Man. That was a good one. Um, next up, we got Emily Lazar from September Morning. I don't think I got a chance to listen to this one. I don't know that one. Yeah. Same. Don't know it. Um, got Kit Page from Romantic Rebel. I got nothing there. Same. Actually, wait. I think I did listen to this one. It was all right. I need to catch up on these things. The thing is, a lot. There, there's there, a lot of stuff. A lot of this. A lot of stuff on this. On that I listened to on this uh, page it reminded me so much of Maria Brink that I was so surprised that Maria Brink. I mean, this moment wasn't on the list. Mm. A lot of these band, a lot of these women just reminded me of her so much. Yeah. So. You know, it's funny because before you continue on, yeah, it's funny because no. like, like going on Twitter now and you know doing the social media highlight and just kind of if you follow one band, one of of these like you know very gothic inspired female fronted bands, mm-hmm. like a lot more come up. Oh, yeah. Like, there's so many more that exist that I will never know about. And, yeah. like, even just this list of rock and metal, it's like, there's so much stuff out there that we will never really yeah. experience. Yeah, I almost, for this week's social media highlight, I almost did a, a female-fronted, um, I guess they were kind of like metal-slash-electro band from the Czech Republic, but they only had, like, one or two songs on their available and I, I didn't want, I wanted to listen to it a little bit more than that to make them a social media highlight. But just like you said, when you follow one, they they start following you. Just like I'm just that like they give you the suggestions, and you realize that there's like obviously there's sexism everywhere. But the fact that there is so many bands now with female, so many metal bands with female members, not just singers, but also like other instruments, keyboards, um, like some some random ones too. Like I saw a band um, uh, a week ago when I was doing the Twitter search. Uh, lead singer was also a violin player so she would sit there and play the violin lead and then sing so like a lot of like shit like that exists and like not enough exposure to it so this is the kind of thing that I, I really need to look more into well here, here's something along those lines that uh, this woman named uh, Kenneth Levinson she's in a band called Warner Drive and she's the guitarist and she can fucking play like mm-hmm. I listened to this track and it's a good straightforward rock and roll track but my god her solo was fucking fine mm-hmm. it was good and you don't see enough like I guess not enough but you don't see a lot of female lead guitarists mm-hmm. I mean they've, they've been popping up here and there like Nita from who was in the Iron Maidens is now in Alice Cooper's band uh, Alice Cooper's Orianthe um, and then whoever, whenever you ever find these uh, all metal all female metal bands like the ones we mentioned before Thunder Mother mm-hmm. I mean it's just awesome to see them getting the recognition that they deserve for playing something that's typically a male dominated um, genre I, I, I'm, I'm thinking you know the fact that it's it's happening without us actually knowing it mm-hmm. that's better because it's not like there's there's 
great attention being drawn to it. It's just happening. It's being infused, and it's pretty much going to become commonplace, as it seems to be doing at this point. Yeah. Yeah, like, sure, the mainstream bands are all mostly mostly male, but there are these bands. There's a bunch of bands being formed, and there's a lot more female I think members what's, being what's, brought in. what's driving it is when bands like um, Hailstorm and Paramore and back um, in the early 2000s when Evanescence hit it big, yeah. That's what really opened the door for more people listening to female singing heavier stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's the reason why I got into some of the bands I got into is because of Evanescence. Like I always knew like female voices in metal was cool, but they were always in the bands I listened to. They were always backing vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking like, um, oh my gosh, the Phantom of the Opera song on uh, Ice Earth's album. What's it called? Oh. um... Phantom Opera Ghost. Yeah, Phantom Opera Ghost. That is a great track featuring a female vocalist, but she is the secondary character and the backing vocalist. And then Evanescence, at least in my listening experience, was the first band that had a female-fronted song, that she was the main singer of the band, Mm -hmm. and they were a little bit heavier. So that opened the doors for me to to, to listen to... You're talking about in a commercial sense. Yeah, yeah, in a commercial sense. But that opened the doors to, to... for me to look for other things like that. So that's when I found, like, Within Temptation. That's when I first started listening to a lot more Nightwish and so on and so forth. And it just really opened the doors for me personally. And I think it also opened the doors for a lot of other bands to to do the same thing. Yeah. So um, next up on the list, I'm not very familiar with her, uh, Jerry Mann, but I know the name Blame Shift. They've been a band for a long time. It sounds familiar. Yeah, so... She's been around. And then the last one on the list, and certainly not the least, is Floor yeah, Jansen. Of course. From Nightwish. Yeah. I mean, if she wasn't on the list, I think I probably would have... Yeah, uh, this would have been... This, like, we probably wouldn't have done this at all. And, yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't have done this at all. But the same thing with Epica. Yeah. Um, there's one that I wish would have been on there, and that's the singer of Avatarium, because that's yeah, a great uh, album. We're, I was thinking, because so, some God of the bands damn. that we mentioned here on the podcast... Um, maybe they're not nearly as well known uh, to the voters of Metalholic, but you mentioned Avatarium. I'm going to have to mention the singer of Draconia. Mm-hmm. Um, honeymoon Disease. Honeymoon Disease. Fucking uh, Royal fucking Thunder. Royal Thunder. What the hell? I just thought about that right now. I was like, wait a minute. What the hell's going on? Um, so, <laughs> <Now> I'm pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> Pete's all pissed. Fuck this list. <laughs> the butcher babies. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm again, this... This was fan voted, so who knows what their the the voting is background. Yeah. I don't even know where Metal Hogs is from. I don't know if it's like is it, a, a, is it an online web scene? I think it's an online web scene. I'm not sure where it's based out of. Okay. Whether it's based out of a foreign country, whether it's based out of here in America, mm-hmm. um, I really don't know anything about it. I just thought it was a good topic of discussion for um, for us this week. Yeah, um, and it turned out to be really good. And we do we do feature a lot of female vocal. I think. I'm just looking back at our top five, our top three videos every month. I think the number one or number two for Dan always features a female vocalist. Oh yeah, yeah. Every single one. Grave Shadow, A Sound of Thunder, yep. Avatarium. Yep. You know, because you know, it's not like I'm intentionally doing this. It just it just so happens that these great bands have female vocalists. Yeah, yeah. And it's just becoming such a like you said a commonplace thing yeah. nowadays that it's really fucking cool. It expands the sound of music so much more when you add the female element to it um, only because a certain singers like um, Sound of Thunder she has such a range yeah. that adds just so much more potential to what a band could do yeah. that's what it is Yeah, I, I feel like like you know, music heavy metal music has explored much of what they can do with a male vocal 
So now you've got all these women um, becoming singers in metal, and there's just a whole different spectrum that you can hit with a, uh, with a female voice. Yeah. And then you can put the two together, yeah. however you want to, which I'm pretty sure, like, we were talking about Amaranth, I'm pretty sure they have three vocalists. I think I don't I don't know about three, but I know for sure they have two because yes. the video that's po- that's posted on the on the website here definitely features two vocals. I'm pretty sure in Drop Dead Cynical you see three different people singing. I think there's there's the clean male, the clean female, and the the gruff, okay. um, the harsh male. Gotcha. And you know you can do so much with three different voices. Yeah. So like you know they should pull off the fucking vocal cannon like Sabotage. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Yeah. So. I, I, I'm I'm liking the potential that this change is bringing about. Yeah, and, I, and it's already showing itself in like bands like Royal Thunder. There's a very classic sounding band with a very powerful female vocalist that was very reminiscent of like the 70s. Then you have bands like Epica that has a very operatic sound mm-hmm. that's completely different. And but those are two really good bands. It's mm-hmm. just something for everyone to listen to, which is so fucking cool. Yeah. I'd say one more artist that's not on here that probably should be um, is Diane from Xandria. Uh, Xandria actually had an EP out uh, in 2015, so I think that would have made them a contender. Yeah, the, yeah they did. Uh, I remember downloading They did a really good cover of Meatloaf's um, mm-hmm. uh, I Would Do Anything for Love. Yep. So, yeah. I would do <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um... But I think, I think we're good in our discussion. For this I week. think so. Think yeah, so. I mean, you know, definitely something for everybody here, and a lot more stuff for us to listen to and catch up on. So, with that, we are going to make our curtain call. Until next time, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com/adamandstemple, for more Shred Shack-related content, including interviews, editorials, concert reviews, and the like. Speaking of concert reviews, you can look forward to, uh, and I saw the show. I saw a show video on Tool and Primus from you two guys, uh, which will hopefully be out on Wednesday. You can also see one from me for Queensrÿche coming out hopefully on Friday. Um, aside from that, you can also find my video game Let's Play series, Recreational Warfare, which boasts over 200 episodes across 30 games from various eras of gaming. Um, it is now back in full swing. Four episodes per week, different games. Um, I got stuff to record, so... <laughs> Uh, for more more up to the minute updates from yours truly, follow my Twitter account at username Novus Redemptor. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at UpTheIron3314 for my adventures in fitness, nerd stuff, and of course this show. For fitness and nutritional coaching online or in the San Antonio area, you can reach me on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash UpTheIron3314. Or you can just become my friend on Facebook because I pretty much post everything on Facebook. For the show, for my fitness stuff, for everything, you know, especially the nerd stuff, especially the nerd stuff, you know, that Star Wars movie that you didn't like. I didn't say I didn't like it. I just said you know, it was. I just know, said you know it was, that Star Wars movie. I just said it was very derivative. Yeah, you criticize that you don't like it. Yeah, That's... pretty much. <laughs> you hipster shit. <laughs> yeah, that's me though. Alright, and you can follow me on Twitter at Abyssal Sun for more metal news, album reviews, and releases. You know, I actually, um, prior to last week's podcast, I actually looked at your Twitter account, which is the whole reason I knew that you were going to talk about Black Hour. I was like, alright, I can back up from this one. Let him him take it. Uh, If you're hearing this, I will assume you found your way to our Mixcloud page, otherwise, internet.
Mixcloud.com slash The Shred Shack is currently your primary source for all previous installments of The Shred Shack podcast, as well as recordings of The Shred Shack live radio show. Speaking of that live radio show, you can tune into Pat and Reese every Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for two hours of heavy metal music and nerd banter. Nerd banter that is not this and not involving Star Wars, most likely, because Pat did not like that movie. Pat is also a hipster. (laughs) That was was pretty scathing. You you heard it here. Anyone who didn't like the new Star Wars movie is a fucking hipster. (laughs) I don't like it because everybody else liked it. Me. I contributed my money. I went in and said, shut up and take my money. And then I asked for a beer. You can you can find the link to the weekly show as well as any and all Shred Shack related updates on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Shred Shack. Until next time, I'm Dan Mack. I'm Chris Mack. And I'm Pete. Reminding you that the world is full of kings and queens.